Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Ferrari at breakfast this morning. After Disney's move to cast Jack Whitehall to play a gay character, are straight actors able to play gay roles? For God's sake, yes. Acting, it's pretending. It's pretending to be someone else. Kind of the point, really. Anyway, Nick Ferrari from Seven on LBC. Right now, Steve Allen. So true, isn't it? Yes. It's so ridiculous. And they, these are queens complaining. <laughs> it should have gone to a gay actor. Don't be so ridiculous. That was your choice of word. Just to, <laughs> but just I just thought it was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. Isn't it nuts? He's isn't an it actor. bizarre? He can play anything. Nobody complained about Quentin Crisp when he played the naked civil servant, did they? Absolutely not. It's and absurd. It is absurd. Yes. And we're going to continue telling people good. it's absurd. Good, good, good. Grief. Anyway, have a lovely day. Thank you, then. Au revoir. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday. I can't believe it's Tuesday already. Where did Monday go? Oh, that was yesterday. I knew something happened. Did it rain? No, I don't think it did rain. I've got a problem with a pigeon at the moment. Because I've got a little water feature and it's a turning ball, this wood pigeon, because it's a wood pigeon, it's not one of those feral things that you get round Trafalgar Square, it's, it's taken to sitting in it every day. It obviously thinks it's some sort of free bath. So all I have to do is go, shoo, and it's that noise that, uh, that activates something inside it and knows to get the heck out as quick as possible. Uh, what have we got? Barry Chuckle wanted to die on stage like Tommy Cooper, says his brother Paul. Oh, look who's gone out in the rain. Christine, look at me, look at me, attention-seeking, no talent. McGuinness and her photographer. Uh, the good news is you will get sex inside the Big Brother house. Stormy Daniels is going in. I love the idea that they sort of they've made this you know big deal about these non-entities were going in there. I mean, seriously, it's like it's like a third world kind of lineup. It's so awful. I suppose the good news is, as one commentator pointed out, at least you know who most of them are. There's about three or four I've never heard of in my entire life, but uh, that's how desperate they've actually got. Roxanne Pallet will go in there. She'll be the most boring person, and she's on apparently three quarters of a million. I don't believe a word of it. In the same way, I never believe that Katie Pepper, Pepper, pick up a penguin price, ever had £43 million. Not a clue. Not a clue. No money at all. And then we found another one, who I think we'll put on my little bit extra today. And it's another one of those exhibitionist people who turns up, you know, with their bits hanging out at sort of parties, turning up in basically their underwear, which is a bit sad. And uh, she's fallen on hard time. She's living in a treehouse. To find out who it is, you'll have to listen to my little bit extra later on. Uh, Liam and Maya means pain for Cheryl. Pick up on that. Liam, pain, and uh, Maya, I don't know, apparently she knew him when he was 15, or he was 15, or she was 15, or something. But anyway, uh, they've, got, um, they've got the hots for each other. But the trouble is, he's, he's just a child. I don't care what anybody says. They go, oh, but he is sort of 23 or something. I thought, yeah, but he's a very infantile 23. Very, very infantile. Uh, Poundland have got a new £1 skincare cream coming out. I don't know. Would you want to? Would you want to? I think, you know, most people would go for something a little bit better. Uh, the lottery winner who's married a con man, and she knows he's a con man as well. So that's great. The, um, the anger as Jack Whitehall gets a gay Disney role. Who are these stupid people? You know, the whole idea is, I mean, uh, you'd be telling me next that sort of gay people can't play straight parts. Well, they certainly can. I could think of no end of gay actors on the television who play straight parts. It's called acting, which is what Darren said earlier on. The idea that Jack Whitehall, you know, and then and then some buffoon somewhere will complain about saying it should have gone to a gay person. What for? What for? What do you only think gay people can play gay roles? I don't think so. It doesn't work like that. If you're an actor, you can play anything, can't you? 
Oh, within reason. And I should imagine, because, I mean, there's loads of people who are playing gay roles who are straight. Nobody's ever complained about them. It'll just be some old old biddy somewhere. And by that, I mean, probably an old queen who's sort of had, had a few, one or two uh, sherbets too many and gone, it's disgusting. In my day, we'd have put somebody on there who was gay and they could play the role. But you could play anything. That's what they're called actors for. You're not telling me that the whole of RADA is heterosexual. Please, don't do that to me. Uh, only posh kids get to be actors nowadays. No, they don't. It's something to do with the bursaries. But uh, it's not true. It's absolutely not true. You don't have to be posh at all. I mean, of course, it does help because posh people are better looking. They've got floppy hair and they had a good education. Doesn't necessarily mean they can act, though, does it? Uh, also, the former palace aide who says Camilla will be the perfect queen over my dead body. Thank you very much indeed. We don't want that. Definitely not. And the stone stackers accused of ruining beauty spots. They're literally dismantling beauty spots to put up silly little stones in little piles. Quite uh, not, not the full ticket in the upstairs department. The, I like the story of Ticketmaster shutting the resale sites to fight touts. You want to see some of the markups on these tickets, tickets which you have to pay for. If you want to go and see a particular concert, then you have to, you know, you have to pay the premium prices. And I've always worried about that because I thought, is this anything to do with the artist? The answer is no, it's not. It's not to do with the artist. It's to do with the with the promoter. And it's to do with the way that the, the ticketing is actually done. And some of the markups are horrendous. I mean, seriously horrendous. But, I mean, uh, for example, my two Christmas shows at the Magic Circle, I think one has got three, well, it had three tickets left by close of play yesterday, I think, and for the second show, I think there are 20 seats left. It's only a small theatre, it's a nice little theatre, about 160 people, so we're nowhere near Christmas, <laughs> and already we've, uh, we've we've done two shows, so that's good news. Uh, the woman who goes to Benidorm on holiday, she hates it, she's complained to Thomas Cook, full of Spanish, full of Spanish in her hotel, she didn't like it at all. I'm not sure whether or not she sort of wandered out of Benidorm, uh, or whether or not she was just one of those sort of racists, you know, I'm sorry, you go to Spain and you discover it's full of Spanish people. What do you think it was going to be full of? Chinese? Aren't people odd nowadays? And then they, they sort of put it on the front pages of the of the papers. The con artist's here. Here he is. This is Brian Deans. He stole. He, he, was, he was a fraudster. In fact, he still might be a fraudster. We don't know. He was jailed for stealing more than 13,500 from Tesco. Luckily, the, uh, the woman he's married has got half of 148 million. <laughs> well, this week she's got half of 148 million. I'd hate to see it end in tears, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Uh, Strictly Katie Piper, she's going into dancing. She's hoping to make a move on Giovanni Panici. <laughs> well, she might do. She is, you know, she's quite happy at the moment, I believe. Uh, Grand wins payout. She only got £566. She's a poor old soul. She shouldn't have gone to Benidorm. It's not her sort of place at all, actually. She should have gone to Blackpool. Much easier to cope with. Uh, and um, Aretha Franklin fighting for her life. So we keep our fingers crossed. I don't know how old she is, but whatever it is, it's it's way too young. And the pair facing jail after their dog attacked this uh, this child. Ghastly pair, actually. Uh, they'd only owned the dog for a week. They had no idea how to look after a dog. They're these sort of thick people who walk down the road, you know, with the dogs on a piece of rope. Uh, they've never been to puppy training classes because they're too dim for that. But uh, here she is. Uh, Aretha Franklin is only 76. Seriously, I, I don't know why, but I, I thought she was a lot older than 76. But 76 is the age that she is. Also, first class, the post boxes that will send parcels. And two people killed by hippopotamuses in Kenya. 
which is not so good. You mustn't get too close to hippopotamuses. A, they move very fast. And B, they're about one of the most dangerous things that you can ever encounter in the bush. In the bush. Although the most dangerous thing, top of the list, is man. That's the most dangerous thing. Uh, and brown bears and stuff like that. Everything fairly dangerous. Uh, Poundland are going to um, sort of put all this stuff in. And it's a £26 billion beauty market. I know that because I watch it every day on QVC. Every day I watch the uh, the poor presenters struggling through yet another. This is marvellous. This, I mean, listen, if each one of these items that they sell did what they tell you proudly on the programme, you wouldn't need to buy anything else. You seriously wouldn't need it. It takes away all the wrinkles. And this has got collagen in it. Yeah, like, I think they just wave the bottle over the top of it. You see all sorts of things. And, and ladies, you spend a fortune on these creams. I mean, come on. They don't work. The only cream you need, apparently, is a jar of Pond's cold cream. Cold cream will cover everything. You can take your makeup off with it. You can do everything with it. And it's a moisturiser. It doesn't really matter. I mean, admittedly, we all like the flash packaging. We all like... I brought some stuff in today, which is Esther, Estee Lauder's Night Repair, which I became quite sort of addicted to some years ago, unfortunately. And uh, and I've started sort of liberally putting it on at night. It's like covering yourself in, in something very expensive. And it's only a little tiny bottle I've got. It's like a little sample bottle. But uh, I love putting it on because I'm, I'm, I'm firmly of the belief that if you look after yourself... Uh, you know, and if you don't go out in the sun, you don't, you know, change colour too dramatically, then you should keep your skin for quite a while. And I've noticed a change already using this uh, this night. I think it's called day-night repair, or is it just night repair? Anyway, I'll tell you a bit later. Uh, plus the Radio 4 host who says rugby is thuggery, but football is a gents game. Yes, I can, I can sort of buy into that in a peculiar, <laughs> some, some sort of peculiar way. Boris Johnson has called for action to halt the housing disgrace. And uh, the patient's given 30 minutes to quit their care home and find somewhere else. Not so good, is it? Tom Jones back on stage, which I like. And the Scots rugby fan fined for the England coach abuse. England footballer. We seem to be top-heavy on sports stories at the moment. Uh, Raheem Sterling gets his son's kiss on his leg. It's another tattoo. Bit bored with Raheem, I'm afraid. And uh, the Love Islanders' mission to inspire girls into sport. It's a case of, you know, can you think of anything you can do, dear? Oh, I want to get them surfing and stuff like that. It's like the other day. What did we have? We had some some mad person who quite clearly was not of this planet saying that we need to get prisoners, you know, into things like boxing in prison. What do they want to do boxing for? They get their hands on guns. They can get crystal meth. They get all the food they want. Well, they want to learn boxing. They don't want to do boxing. You know, boxing is sort of like back to the craze time. No, the person who had the gun was the more influential person. And that's what, that's what happens in prison. Uh, the stars are suing after the tax scheme is banned. They all put their money in there in all good faith, it has to be said. And they put the money in there so that they could, uh, you know, obviously try and save a little bit. It was perfectly legal. The government now decided to close these things down because loads of people were putting loads of money in there. And the truth of the matter is, it's to reduce your tax bill. They're not doing it. You know, because you get a bag of sweeties or a pen just for replying. No, 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 no. They're actually doing it because they want to try and save some money on their income. That's how it works. That was like Bruce Forsyth. He left all his money to his wife. He didn't leave anything to the children because he'd had to have paid. They'd have taken money out of it. But it just went to the wife. So that was quite clever. That was called creative accounting. Only Bruce had come up with that. I think 14 million, which uh, he must have only earned in the, in the past few years. But either way, he, he did very, very well. Very well, indeed. And uh, if it means you can keep the tax man's grubby little fingers off it, that 
kind of makes most people happy, don't they? Every time they used to do a quiz show on the television, they'd go and tell him, and what do you do for, for a living, Robin? And he'd go, I'm a tax office, uh, uh, a tax officer. And then you hear the audience go, boo. <laughs> Nobody, like it was his fault. Like, you know, all he's there to do is, is, is enforce the law. They don't actually make the laws. Yeah, so what do you do? A tax officer. Boo, boo. <laughs> Even I do boos as well. Doesn't really help, does it? Uh, I'd love a day when we don't have to see Christine McGuinness and her dreary existence. Oh, she's the star of the real... No, she's not a star of anything at all, actually. She's just a silly little show-off. There's so many of these people, so many of them, and every time you open up the papers, there they all are. They either pop in... I and mean, when you, you wait till you hear the line-up uh, for the, uh, the celebrity Big Brother... Uh, a thug, a nasty piece of work, a porn star. I mean, really, how do you explain that one to the kids? I love it. What was it somebody complained about the other day? Some buffoon. They were on a train. Do you remember somebody changed the wording? You know, ugly girls, not for this carriage or something. Whatever it was, I can't remember. And uh, and some some bloke said, my daughter was on the stage, uh, was on the, on the train. You know, how do you explain that to her? She was three, apparently. And I remember thinking, you really are thick, aren't you? You really are thick. I love it. Uh, shop staff have been told to call shoplifters parents instead of police as the cops won't respond if the value stolen is under £200. A security guard says Devon and Cornwall police told him they could no longer afford to respond to incidents. They did a bloke the other day. They've started doing it more and more on the television. And this was sort of, um, it was cameras and so, whatever it was anyway. <coughs> so they set up a car, a little smart car, and they fit it with cameras and they leave on the seat a laptop, uh, which is, it's sort of, it's entrapment. It's entrapment. And entrapment, you know, gets you into a lot of trouble because you're putting temptation in the way of somebody. And uh, this bloke comes along, he's filmed, but they've pixelated his face, but you know what he looks like. And he takes out a hammer from his bag and he smashes the window, picks up the laptop and calmly walks away. So they follow him. They follow him. He's still pixelated and eventually they sort of catch up with him and uh, say, oh, we're looking for somebody who might have sort of taken a laptop. And he says, are you accusing me? And I thought, and then they went, no. And I thought, well, yes, you are. You are, because he's got blood on his hand where he cut himself in the window. And I bet if you looked in his rucksack, he'd have the, um, he'd have the laptop there. But they sort, of, they sort of left it. And I thought, what a stupid programme. It was the dumbest programme. I thought they'd have had him bang to rights. Call the police round. We definitely got him. He's caught. But they didn't show you what he looked like. But he was, he was British. And he, he obviously went round nicking from cars. That's it. Unfortunately, he left a hammer at the scene. He smashed and it went inside the car. Not so good, is it, really? But it is, it is one of those things that they do these programmes and they don't like to identify somebody. Whereas I'd be the first one to identify someone. you go, this is them. This is them. This is this bloke here. He thieves from cars. Watch him. But uh, they don't do it. They do it on Dominic Littlewood's programme as well. They won't even tell you their name. And these are people who've been convicted of crimes. They had a dreadful programme the other day. What was it about? There were two programmes. One was OK. And it had Anne Whittacombe dressed up as an old, an old woman. There wasn't too much makeup, and um, and she had to dress up and pretend she was back in Victorian times. And they had a few other people on there. There was about six or seven of them, and they had to do things. Uh, unfortunately, it, the whole program was spoilt by Lindsay Honey, Tiger Drew Honey, um, who nicked things in the program. They were supposed to be sorting out buttons and stuff like that, but he was nicking them because they were worth money back in Victorian times. And uh, that's why I thought you've not been seen on too many programmes on the television. I think people have kind of given up with you. At one time it was novel, your dad's a porno star, and, um, and you're not. Although he has, he has uh, introduced himself to people, as it were, on the internet. 
which is quite sweet. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to tell you? I was going to tell you something else. I can't remember what it is. It'll come to me in a minute. Don't worry. We have between now and seven this morning to try and get as many items in as possible. And uh, we will be telling you all about Megan's dad. Let's bury the hatchet, he says, yeah, in the back of her head, I suppose. And, uh, and who are the people who we think are going into the dance floor and on the dance floor? And who are the people in Big Brother? Yes, it's the usual bunch of old has-beens and the desperados. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. All your texts and emails. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So, so far, they've announced three people, we think, on uh, Strictly. We think it's definitely going to be Katie Piper. That's been confirmed. And I think uh, Danny John Jules is also confirmed. That's what, I, that's what I think. That's what I think. The other one's in the frame. Faye Tozer, professional uh, dancer. Lee Ryan. Oh, dear. Another one who disports himself on the internet. Kate Silverton, the newsreader. None of these are confirmed, but they think the, this is who it's going to be. Ashley Roberts, the pussycat doll, way back in the days when she was interesting. Dr. Ranj, this morning's TV doctor. I thought, I thought this was Strictly Come Dancing Celebrity. So he's a, he's a doctor and he's a celebrity. How does that work out? Graham Swan, a cricketer nobody's ever heard of. I feel a bit embarrassed, actually, unless you follow cricket. Joe Sugg, a YouTube video blogger. And Vic Hope. So you're probably all saying we don't know who Vic Hope is. Well, you will do, because she's very, 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 very pretty. Joe Sugg is very, 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 very pretty. But we don't know who he is. But he's... he's his sister is Zoella, so and they make a lot of money through. So he, he he's sort of he's, he's famous through, you know, putting stuff out there on the on the internet, I suppose. Mind you, over in Celebrity Big Brother, a they couldn't find any celebrities, but they did manage to find a porno star, a woman who makes hardcore porn in America, and it's available for you know cross your palm with a few dollar bills, and she's there for you. She'll do lap dancing, pole dancing, full sex, whatever you want. Uh, she's in there because of the claim she had an affair with the President Donald Trump, because she's not there for any other reason. That's the only reason she's in there. However, if you think she's going to be talking about having sex with Donald Trump, think again. The, the, the lawyers for Donald Trump will be on that programme. I wouldn't even want to wish that on them, because some of the people on there are not too bright. Uh, Chloe Ayling, who was kidnapped and held captive in Italy, she's doing it so she can show people the real her. I'm not interested, love. Couldn't care less. Uh, Jermaine Pennant who's the ex-Premier League footballer, the bad boy. He's been jailed before. He's, uh, he's written a book about his dreary existence. Very boring, very dull. And rates women uh, on the Monopoly board. So if you're Whitechapel, you're way down the list. If you're Mayfair, you're doing all right. Disgusting person, he really is. Perhaps somebody will kick him into touch. The rogue trader Nick Leeson, jailed after £800 million worth of fraudulent trading, caused the collapse of Baring's Bank. Kirsty Alley from Look Who's Talking and Cheers which is interesting, actually, because she's a Scientologist. And I wonder if she'll be talking about Scientology. So you can bet your bottom dollars, Chloe Ayling. I mean, really, it's, it's just going to be too dull for words. I think the cameras by that time will switch to birdsong. Stormy Daniels, they will definitely not be running anything about the President of the United States of America, not unless they really want to be hit with some of the biggest fines in living memory. Uh, they've got uh, Roxanne Pallet from Emmerdale. Not for ages. She hasn't been. She was, you know, they, they lost her from that a long time ago. She works for uh, Minster FM. Sounds a bit like John Inman's rail, uh, radio station. Minster FM. What do they do there? They minced. And uh, so she's from there. They reckon 750,000. I don't know why. She'd be earning about 35, 40 if she's on, uh, if she's on that much. Sally Morgan. Remember Sally Morgan? That's the one with... Um, 
She claims she can talk to people from the other side. There's no evidence of this, of course. And her son and uh, husband have got to stay well away from any of her gigs because they're abusive and not very nice people. We know that because it was shown on the television. They were really vile. But uh, Sally Morgan retaliates very badly if you go, actually, it's rubbish, isn't it? You know, when she goes into this little sing-songy voice with, uh, you know, she's got an audience of 600 people there and she's called, she's looking out for somebody called Martin. So, of course, the odds, the, the odds are there'll be somebody called... Because the only people who ever go to Sally Morgan shows are people who've lost somebody. You're not going to be interested in going there to find out if your bunions are going to heal. You're not going to be going there to find out whether or not you're going to grow luxurious hair on the back. You know, it's, it's not like that at all. She claims to contact the other side and, and she go, Martin's here, darling, Martin's here. We all go, no, he's not. I'm looking at the stage. It's completely empty. You could see somebody more barking mad than we all thought you were in the first place. So uh, that'll be interesting. You watch, she, she'll have lost the will to live by day one. Uh, also, Dan Osborne, a nasty little piece of work, horrible piece of work. And Love Island's Gabby Allen, who we think actually had a fling with Dan Osborne. So they put them in there together. So what, what will he do? Totally avoid her? You can hardly do that, can you, really? So who will kick off? Who will Jermaine call an Old Kent Road? Starts on Thursday, I think. Thursday, something like that. Uh, so we'll wait and see, but it's not the most exciting lineup. I mean, really, in this day and age, couldn't they find, you know, proper celebrities? They managed to find them for the caravanning programme, didn't they? They could find people to that. There was also talk that Brendan Sheeran might be going in because he was dropping hints about glitter balls and, uh, you know, other people saying, oh, it's going to be a really good year this year and stuff like that. And you think, oh, God, it's it's boring. It's t- I'm, g- I'm glad it's the last one. I'm glad it's the last thing because it's just it's just rubbish. It's, it's far better to get people for peanuts on Love Island. They don't need to pay them anything at all. So all the amounts of money you read, each agent has got to say that their client is getting the most money. Of course, it's all going to backfire horribly when the tax office get hold of it and the inland revenue come around going, but wait a minute, you didn't correct any of this. 750,000, where is it? I didn't get 750. How much did you get? I got 40,000. £40,000. That's all she'll get. She won't get any more than that. I'd be very, very surprised. I'd love to sort of, you know, go there. And the other day we did check, because a friend of mine <laughs> has access to Company's House. And so you can check Company's House to see how much money people have got in their, in their companies. So we thought we'd try Katie Price. Nothing. Nothing. she just closed one down. It's gone into liquidation. And uh, the other one's gone as well. So then we thought we'd, we'd try Peter Andre. There is a Peter Andre Foundation. Now, a foundation is generally sort of a legalised way of channelling all your money in there because we couldn't find any companies associated with Peter Andre at all. There were a few with, with the name Andre, but we didn't think it was, uh, it was him at all. So we don't think he's doing particularly well. And then the other day, Jordan didn't even acknowledge her son's birthday. Kieran Haler threw a little party for whatever it's called. I have no idea. And, um, and she didn't bother doing anything. Why? Because she's vile. She's absolutely vile. Two she doesn't have with her anymore. She doesn't have Princess, and she doesn't have whatever the boy's called. And uh, they're, they're with Peter Andre. God, there's some expense going on there. It's poor old Pete needs to get his back into it and try and get some work in. Very worrying. And uh, so that's it. Uh, somebody says, I think you're exhibiting an addiction trait to these cheap jewellery channels, but to detox. No, 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 there's no addiction. No, 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 no. I use it because I like taking the mickey out of them on the programme. That's what it's about. I mean, surely you've understood that, Jim. I mean, you don't seriously think I'd bother doing anything for free. I'm doing it because I get paid for it. You know, we had the old Biddy the other day. She's the oldest one on there. And she, um, she, she wove in Geoffrey Chaucer, quotes from Geoffrey Chaucer, to try and sell this tat jewellery. 
I mean, she looks a bit frightening. And she's, oh, she's, so, uh, she's so needy. She's so needy. I think she might have worked with Bruce Forsyth. As I say, luckily he's sort of uh, out. And, uh, and Phil says, uh, you're missing the point. Read Jack Whitehall, Steve. Of course straight people can play gay characters. The issue is it's a progressive landmark for Disney. And they cast a straight comedian to play a cliched stereotype reminiscent of Dick Emery. What's the matter with that? What's the matter with that? Why shouldn't there be stereotypes of gay people? Heavens above. You know, it's interesting, actually, Manuel says, so there are complaints about Jack Whitehall playing a gay role because he's straight. I bet the same queenies would be up in arms if he turned it down because it was a gay role. Well, years ago, people did. People did. It was very bad for your career. Hollywood was a nightmare. Uh, the, the character is gay. <laughs> Not touching that one. That could have been box office poison. Box office poison. Nowadays, there's loads of people who, who sort of swing both sides. They're called actors and actresses. You don't think all the people in the prime of Miss Jean Brodie were actual lesbians, do you? You know, or the killing of Sister George. Were they? Well, actually, most of them were lesbians in that one. I remember that because they filmed it in a, in, a, in a club, I think called uh, Gateway, which was a well-known lesbian club at the time. But, I mean, it's such, a, it's such a naff story. I mean, Dirk Bogard and Rock Hudson, you know, and Raymond Burr were playing straight roles in films for years. You know, people went, what, Ironside? You go, yes. Well, he, he was in a wheelchair. No, he wasn't. He was acting in a wheelchair. People are always quite surprised. You know, when they used to see Deirdre from Coronation Street without the glasses on, because she didn't wear glasses. Harry Potter never wore glasses. Never wore glasses. It was just for the film. Just for the film. There you go. I was watching QVC, Steve. A woman was selling neck cream, and funnily enough, her neck was absolutely smooth. She'd be a neck model. She'd be a neck model. They were selling something the other day. What was it? Some vibrating pad. I thought, God, I'd never sleep with that in the bed. And, um, and it was sort of to try and lose weight. But they, they put on somebody who needed to lose weight. But they've been selling these things for donkey's years and she still hasn't lost the weight. So I gave up on that one. Uh, Jason, Jason, oh, I can't read this morning. Jason Statham is not posh. And his new film uh, milked in 44 million, said Zara. Uh, well, exactly. I'm proving my, what I said exactly the same way, that you don't have to be posh to be an actor. I mean, sometimes it helps when they're doing period and costume dramas. You can't have somebody walking into High Clear Castle going, Oi! You know, it's not going to happen, is it? Oi! Lady Bellingham. Get us an old mug of the old Rosie Lee. Yeah, Danny Dyer would be fantastic. I think he can take his ghastly daughter in there at the same time. How long will that relationship last? I think the bookies are taking bets on it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Tuesday, 26 minutes to five. I saw Aretha Franklin, says Nigel. Uh, the Hammersmith Odeon in 68. Big style there and still a big name now. It's what you call longevity. Oh, great. I don't. I, I hate to say this, but I think you should prepare for the worst. I don't think that there isn't any recovery from, from this. And uh, Christine says, I went to the dentist yesterday. My face is still swollen. And laughing at you is helping ease my pain. The dentist said I can only eat soft food, so I'm having a day of eating chocolate. Seems fair enough to know, really, actually. I've not had a wafer for a, for a while. I've not had a wafer. And I'd, I'd lost my blasted blood machine. I found it the other day, damn, in the boot of the car, so that'll have to be, uh, be used. Uh, and uh, Steve in South London says, yes, good old Brucey, just like Ken Dodd. Read the tax man. Yes, Ken, Ken Dodd and his economical way of explaining things to the tax man. And Bruce doing the same because it's what you can do. You can do it legally. You can actually put the... Put the money, you know, straight to the wife. Don't don't give to anybody else. And uh, I don't think they actually worry about it, you know. And uh, another one here says, uh, 
What's wrong with it? Would you say white actors applying blackface to pay ridiculous stereotypes of black people is just acting? That's what's wrong with it. I'm sad you can't see it. I can't see it, actually, Phil. It's just you. You're the only one that can see it. Nobody else. No, everybody else is completely opposite to you. Nobody gets it apart from you. You're the only one. Which is a bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? And also, I mean, that would just be a bit ridiculous, white actors putting on blackface. But, you know, people can play everything now. Straight people can play gay people. Unbelievable, though it might seem. That's the way it is. And, you know, and anything else wrong with it, you, you better go back in the closet and shut the door and turn the key in the lock and stay there for a little while, please, till you've calmed down. I remember when um, Richard Chamberlain, who played Dr Kildare, was gay, playing a straight actor. Was he gay? I wasn't sure if Richard Chamberlain was gay or not. Um, have you seen Midnight Cowboy? That was a gay and women movie. Midnight Cowboy, Midnight Cowboy. I'm trying to think. Dustin Hoffman and a rent boy, played by John Voight, I seem to remember. And Dustin Hoffman played this, I can't remember, he was very good. He was very good, Midnight Cowboy. I remember seeing it ages and ages ago. And uh, he, I think he was, he was Rizzo, a con man with a limp. And, um, and he meets Joe Buck, a young Texan. And he's heading to New York to work as a prostitute. Initially unsuccessful. Uh, he ends up, you know, getting money and all the rest of it. It's, it's a very good little film, actually. But at the very end of the film, uh, they both get on a, on a bus. And on the journey, Ratso's condition, Rizzo, uh, deteriorates. So they, uh, they, they, he, st- he stays on the bus. And Joe goes to pick up a bloke in an amusement arcade. And he then robs him. Anyway, Joe buys new clothing for Rizzo and himself discarding his cowboy outfit. Well, as they near Miami, they're on the coach. Joe talks of getting a regular job, only to realise that Rizzo has died. And, uh, and the driver tells Joe there's nothing else to do but continue on to Miami. And uh, Joe uh, sits there with his arm around his dead friend. It's a very, very good, very, very good film. Very, very good film. I haven't seen it for ages now, but I always remember it because I remember that end scene of them both sitting on the bus and uh, Rizzo has died. Very good actor. Very good acting. Uh, Steve Withenshaw Hospital again, says Spicer. The overnight staff have fuelled me with a jug of orange cordial, a mug of tea and a dose of opioids, so I'm fit for the spike again and listening to the snore of three other men. Oh, uh, dear God. Dreadful, isn't it, really? And, uh, and somebody says, I'm amazed and impressed on a daily basis how Steve Allen can talk for three hours. I keep explaining this to people. It's money, OK? The more I talk, the more words I can get in, the more money I can make. It's the way it works. And I have to sort of play... I'm sort of, I'm sort of acting in my own little way. I'm acting a radio presenter. That's what I'm doing. Anybody can do it. Gay, straight, black, white, you know, Jewish, Christian, Buddhist. It doesn't make any difference. You can, anybody can do it. But uh, Luke from Peckham... And uh, and his mate Dave are avid listeners. Now you see. Now when you say Luke from Peckham and Dave, gay couple, not gay couple, bisexual couple, not bisexual couple, transgender. See, I don't know. You don't know. Whenever you read somebody's name out, you don't go. Oh, definitely must be gay. Definitely must be gay now. Although you do get some people who write in and go. By the way, Steve, I'm a gay lorry driver. Now, of course, personally, I don't believe such a thing exists. They haven't got the strength in their little delicate hands to turn the wheel. You know, some of these lorries are enormous. Have you seen them? You can't have somebody gay there. I mean, at Christmas time, I could understand it because every one of the lorries that I ever see has got lights in the cab. Little twinkly lights, which I love, actually. Do you remember the black and white minstrel show? What do you mean, do I remember? Of course I remember them. I'm over 50. Of course I remember the black and white minstrel show. Ask me next if I remember Pussycat Willem. 
Of course, I remember these things. What do you think I've done? Senile or something? No, I remember the black and white minstrels. Because, in fact, uh, the... Oh, here we go. The, <laughs> the boyfriend of my eldest goddaughter, his mother, was in the black and white minstrels. She was one of the dancers there and uh, did all the feathers and the plume and all the rest of it. But then years and years ago, at the end of every pier in this country, there was a minstrel show, you know, and people blacked up. That was then. This is now. Completely different. I think the monkeys sang about that. That was then, this is now, or was it somebody else? But anyway, it was, it was a case of that's what the were. There were minstrel shows, and it was people playing banjos, and they blacked up. That's what they did then. We don't do it now, but we did it then. OK, like, you know, we don't hang people in the streets now. We used to hang people in the streets. We grow up, we learn, we sort of get a little bit better. But uh, the very idea that people are complaining about Jack Whitehall, who gets a gay Disney role, is ridiculous. He'll play it as camp as he wants to. You know, and it's, you know, John Inman didn't do gay people any favours. Thank you very much indeed. Dick Emery didn't do gay people any favours. You know, at the moment you've got gay people on the television who was no blooming extrovert. It's sort of, it's a case of, unfortunately, not all gay people are like that. They don't all mince like Alan Carr or Rylan or, you know, or any of those sort of people. The only person who sort of, who does it normally is Paul O'Grady and Graham Norton and people like that. But there's lots of overt sexual stereotypes on the television. In fact, you know, every, even René, René Artois from A Low Low, he was as camp as a Christmas tree. I mean, he was gay, we knew he was gay, but I mean, he, w- he was sort of playing straight. He was married to the, the lovely Edith. But that was it. Over the years, it doesn't really matter. Nobody ever complains when a sort of a gay actor plays a straight person. You don't get straight people up in arms going, well, this is outrageous, that job should have gone to us. So Darren was quite right and everybody else is quite right. You've all said exactly the same things, exactly the same things. Uh, so the former palace aide, I think it's Dickie Arbiter, I think it's Dickie Arbiter, says Camilla will be the perfect queen. Do you think so? I don't know. I mean, do, 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 we need to, do we need to bother to have another king and queen on the throne? Do we really need that anymore? Could we just open Buckingham Palace up so we can all have a quick go in there? Perhaps they could rent rooms out or something. That'd be quite, I'd quite like to have a room in Buckingham Palace. It'd be very, very handy for work. I'd like to do that. I want to go and see all the rooms. That's why um, Eugene got into trouble the other week, a few weeks back. She took a picture when they were doing uh, Troop in the Colour of her father standing in a corridor at Buckingham Palace. She took the picture and posted it on the internet because they're not bright. And she got into trouble because it was a corridor that was not open to the general public. It's like all these people you see. I mean, I, I laugh. I only thought about it the other day. Oh, and I've thought of something else as well, which is so brilliant. You will absolutely thank me. It's a Brexit story. And I don't do Brexit, but on this particular instance, I'm going to do a Brexit story because it's so important. Yes, it's all these celebrities who show you their flash houses in the newspapers. Oh, look, here's so-and-so. And you think, I'm sorry, do you not, have you heard of burglars? Have you heard of burglars? So somebody goes, oh, look, this, I think the latest one is Tom Fletcher, who's shown you inside his enormous house. Peter Andre constantly shows you inside the house. You think, you're getting all these footballers, you know, who live up in Cheshire, millionaires, capital of nowhere. They all, you know, they, they, they sort of say, oh, look at our lovely houses. And their bimbo wives, the, the wags, start going, oh, we've got this, we've got that. And I'm thinking burglars are just sitting there making a mental note. When are they on holiday? Go around there, break in. We're doing the electrics for you. He wanted this done, blah, blah, blah. Just rob them blind. Never show people what, what, what your place looks like because it makes you a target. So I, I worried about that the other day. But I, I did come up with a great theory on Brexit, and it's so good I'm going to have to save it until the 6 o'clock hour. It's so good because it's absolutely, it's mapped out. It is mapped out. Um, Megan's dad cut off now by the mother. 
It's not looking promising, is it, that one at all? I've, I did hope that by the time we got to this weekend, they might have actually seen sense and she might have picked up the phone and gone, hi, Dad. But I don't think they do that in their family. I don't. Th- I think she's been, perhaps she's been sort of indoctrinated into the royal family so that they don't, uh, they don't actually sort of do anything. I think it's a great shame. Great shame. They need to, all she's got to do is pick up the phone and, and then one, once you've picked up the phone, then you can, um, then you can go and sort of try and make amends. Uh, the actor who plays Will in Will and Grace is straight, says Chris. Yes, I know. I know. But, well, that should, shouldn't be allowed, should it? You know, he should be played by another gay person, you know, because the, the other guy is, is playing gay. Jack, but he is gay. I don't think that should be allowed either. Gays playing gays. What's going on in the world? But, uh, yes, the, the lead character in Will and Grace is heterosexual, but he's playing gay. See, can be done. So that's why, you know, all these stupid people complaining about poor old Jack Whitehall. He's just doing a job. Somebody, it's like saying, oh, look, we're, we're, we're looking for pallbearers, you know, for a thing. And they go, well, actually, I'm two foot two. Well, you're not going to get the job, are you? Why not? I can carry a coffin. Yeah, but then you're gonna, it's ridiculous. You won't be anywhere near it. Stuff like that. You know, you've got to, you know, we'd have to start only getting certain people for certain things. I've often wondered why, when I go into Chinese restaurants, there's no sort of non-Chinese people serving in there. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for non-Chinese people to sort of explain the menu to you in English and then go and order in the kitchen because 99% of the chefs working in the Chinese restaurants don't speak a word of English. Not one word. They're, about the only, they're brought over from, uh, from, from China. That's why, because they know how to cook and then they have to adapt and cook the, uh, cook the stuff that, uh, that we eat. But it, there's no problem with this kind of thing. It's, it's, sort of, it's stereotyping. You know, Dick Emery was a heterosexual playing a gay. He was stereotyping. John Inman was gay and played a mincing queen. But then, as the writers said, you know, you would find a person like that in every department store in the country. To which I used to retort, what department stores? They're all disappearing. They're all closing. But you did find that. You found people who'd been in retail for years and years, and they were like Mr Humphreys. It was that gay stereotype. They were, they, they, they were just always there. You know, you, you could go along to the music hall and find camp comedians. Larry Grayson made a very good career out of being a camp comedian. You know, and we had Poppy in Peace, Pete the Postman, Slack Alice, and uh, all, the, all the other characters which he invented. It's like, sort of, you know, men can't play women. Hello? Look at Danny LaRue. Look at Hinge and Brackett. Look at, you know, Dockyard Doris. Look at loads of people who very successfully work as female impersonators. Well, I mean, many of them not now, but, you know, even so. They were very good. People say, oh, you could never do that. Well, that goes back to way before Victorian times. Little Shakespeare's time. You know, you had boys dressing up as girls on the stage of the Rose Theatre. So people have always done different things. It wasn't a case of, oh, you only have girls playing this. We've still got pantomime now. Principal boy's a girl, and the and the dame is always a bloke, or a pair of blokes. It's the way it goes, isn't it? Uh, broke back mountain, both straight. Exactly. Everybody can do it. It makes no difference at all. It's like, you know, do, do you have to... Um, I was going to say, <laughs> change your mind about that one. I was saying you have to experience all sorts of sex to do a sex hour or something like that. And then I suddenly thought, well, you know, we laugh. You know, so this week we're going to be talking about X, Y and Z. And, uh, and you sort of laugh thinking, oh, Lord. I know. Do you have to know about that? Do you have to have experienced it? 
You know, I mean, if, if, if you're Mel B, I mean, you have to know about threesomes before you actually make one and film it. You know, I just wondered whether or not that was the normal sort of thing. Do you have to be as thick as Lee Ryan to enter a reality show when you've already shown every inch of your body, and I mean inch, uh, on the internet? You know, so it's all adaptable. It doesn't really make any difference. So, Jack Whitehall, you go ahead and do it. You do it, and you'll do it to the best of your ability. You're just playing a part. If they hadn't mentioned it, nobody would be any the wiser. Nobody would be any the wiser. But as I say, you always get a few strange people, and those people we ignore. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Nice to be company. Are you well? Good. Paul says, uh, Paul O'Grady's where he is now because of dragging up as Lily Savage. Do you know, um, Paul came to my 40th birthday party, uh, we had quite a, quite a lot of interesting luminaries there, and uh, we always got on really well, because he's he's very much what you see is what you get. But I tell you what, he worked his socks off. You won't have found anybody in the early days who worked as many gigs in a night as Paul O'Grady did as Lily. Literally, he would do the Vauxhall Tavern, he could nip over the road to the Elephant, and then he could do a couple of clubs, and then he'd come back to do a midnight one-in-the-morning show. Never stopped. Never stopped. Absolutely, you know put himself out there, and now, occasionally, he uh, he resurrects Lily for pantomime, mainly because they've offered so much money, and he's so good. He's so good at doing it. It's like Julian Clary, so good at doing pantomime. I am going to go back to the Palladium and see it, uh, see it uh, this year. It's not cheap to go, but it was well worth it. I thought it was really well worth it. A lot of the original cast are there. And uh, Dick Emery was great playing a woman. Ooh, you are awful. Also honky-tonk. Yes, he sort of dressed up as a very camp man. But the trouble is, in those days, you know, you, you looked at the clothing and there were people wandering about wearing that. The King's Road, uh, all the shops were selling that sort of... Lord John, I think, was the first place I bought a pair of Rupert the Bear trousers. I can't imagine... Seriously, I can't even believe I wore them. But uh, because you th- they were exactly like Rupert the Bear's trousers. Cheesecloth shirts, all the usual gubbins, wasn't it, really? Did you see Michael Douglas in the Liberace film? I did. I did. Uh, but I'd seen enough about Liberace. I'd seen all the documentaries. I've seen the uh, the Vegas shows, and I've been to his museum before they packed it all up in boxes again. But uh, yes, Michael Douglas was was playing Liberace, who was very gay, very very gay. Everybody knew about it. It was no big secret. Uh, the only person who didn't want to know about it was Liberace, because it was different times, different times. Uh, you remind me, says uh, Martin, the white liner, of a sketch by Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. When Dud is applying for the role of Tarzan with one with one leg, I don't remember seeing that. I never liked them actually. I thought they were a bit. They, they, I didn't get the humour. Oh, hello, Pete. Hello, Dud. I did, it just didn't do it. And then they brought out an X-rated album. Where every other word was F. I always thought that that'd be quite good actually. If you could have a radio program where you could swear all the way through it, and you just think you wandered into EastEnders or something like that. Yes, as Lizzie Candy got that. You can you swear on her stage? Well, she's got no listeners, that's why. <laughs> Poor old Lizzie. She was on a programme the other day where it's sort of basically sad, lonely people telling you how rich they are. And they had a dreary couple. He had a lake and she was having, like, loads of Botox and all the rest of it. We couldn't string two words together. And then Lizzie Cundy with her funny little hamster cheeks going out, getting a big car and then doing disgusting, cheap jokes in the garage to a man about, you know, what what little attribute... And I thought, oh, small wonder you're single, dear. Small wonder you're single. Uh, you're mostly... Uh, sorry, you are right. Most of the real housewives' houses got done in by showing a fab designer gear, says Zara. What did you, I mean, why would you want to sort of... It's like doing an advert for, uh, for burglars in the country. And there are burglars that sort of travel around. Mark of Dewsbury says, shock horror, the pantomime cow 
isn't really a cow. It's two actors. I know, he says, hard to believe, isn't it? Not two actors. No, it's not. It isn't. Where'd you get that from? That's just ridiculous. Two people. Well, how does that work if you're standing up? Surely you could only just do the head, couldn't you? It's the other one, you know, a small person. Little person, something like that. I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, obviously there are certain categories that you couldn't possibly do. As a white six-foot actor, I, I couldn't play a Smurf because they're actually quite small. So you'd need to find a very small person for that, you know, and I couldn't play you know, a boxer called Muhammad Ali because I'm a white, pasty-looking bloke who doesn't look like he could fight his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> Try it. Uh, no, I can't believe Pantomime Cow is two actors. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I saw Triple Chin, says Dave. The big JC on the celeb master chef. I'm surprised she didn't eat all the food. Well, she'd already eaten three tables by the time they got round to filming the blooming thing. Yeah, because I'm the JC... That's the one with the intellect of a of a pea, I think, poor soul. Every time you look at this ridiculous Christine McGuinness caught in a storm leaving a gym, so the, the photographer said, can you hold it? OK, can you now take the thing off? And can you hold the phone up to your ears if you're pretending to make a phone call? Who would you be calling, dear? Your agent. Dear me, honestly, thank God they don't use her for stuff like that. Uh, 84850... What a ridiculous furor, Steve, over straight Jack Whitehall getting a gay role. As you say, if you're an actor, you should be able to play any role. I know, I'm, that's what I don't understand. He's an actor. Who cares what he is? It's like, I'm sorry, um, can you play a, um, sort of somebody who limps? Yeah. Or, or do you really want somebody to chop their leg off for the role? No, no, I, I can pretend to limp. We've had various actors who've actually played... One, there was a very famous actor who was in uh, Robin's Nest who was with one arm. He did actually have two arms. It's just that one was behind his back. You know, they didn't go out there and look for a disabled actor. You know, which is what, I suppose, the argument could be, isn't it, really? But uh, even Dirk Bogard played a straight character from time to time in all the Doctor films and in a film called Accident. So did Alan Bates in A Kind of Loving, based on the novel by Stan Barstow. I mean, you're right, it was, it's, it's... People get sort of so worried about it. I don't know why, actually. Julian Ovenden and Lewis Reeves both played gays in the uh, gay play My Night with Reg... I saw that numerous times because it was nominated. I think it might have actually got... Um, it might have actually got uh, some Laurence Olivier Awards, I'm pretty certain. But anyway, uh, Lewis can currently be seen on Sunday evening in the police drama Unforgotten. He looks just as gorgeous dressed in a nice smart suit as opposed to his birthday suit. I don't remember seeing him. I saw the one who's in Coronation Street who uh, did the nude scene. There's a nude scene in My Night with Reg because it's uh, they, they go to a house. I don't want to explain it to you because it might come round and you might want to go and see it again. And um, and the actor who is currently in Coronation Street, I think playing Sally's love interest, he was stark naked in it. But it was, you know, it was it was just par for the course, actually. Par for the course. Oh, that's right. It did get... Uh, it got Olivier Award, Best Comedy 95, 2015, Best Revival. It's worth seeing. If it comes around again, go go see, because it's very, very good. It's very, very good. I like it. I like it a lot. Right, uh, we've got, what well, we got? Three minutes to five. We'll take all your texts and emails. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Paul says, do you get straight radio presenters pretending to be gay? Like Ian? Ian Dale? Do you think? I don't, I mean, I don't know personally. I don't want to sort of start casting aspersions, poor soul. I mean, I bumped into him the other day. When I say bumped into him, I was, we were both the other side of the automatic gating system in the building, which is very exciting. But uh, I don't know, actually, so the trouble is, it doesn't actually make any difference if you're on the radio. Why would it make a difference if you're on the radio? 
Why would it make any difference at all? I couldn't you imagine. You imagine. I mean, I think we have our fair share of gay presenters at LBC. Yeah, all right, don't make a big deal about it. <laughs> Quite a lot of gay presenters at LBC. But there again, why not? Heavens above, I think you could probably go through the management in this building and discover some more gay people as well. Shock horror. You could probably find, you know, maybe an ex-Prime Minister, ex-Speakers of the House of Commons who are gay. Shock horror pro. Perhaps they shouldn't be. Perhaps they shouldn't be there. Uh, and don't forget Larry's character, Apricot Lil. Do you remember the late-night serial, That's Life, with bed-hopping solicitors and, and Ferdy, the leather-clad biker with the long-back hair? Are the two gays in the full Monty? And Maurice, says Jenny. See? It's, a, it's, it's, it's like an epidemic. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I was amazed to see somebody driving down the motorway the other day, says Mick, putting on her mascara. Well, uh, this comes as no surprise to me whatsoever. I've seen people shaving. And I said to her, I said, listen, you don't need to do that in the car. She went, no, no. I said, I know what it's called, dear. I've seen the adverts on the television. Little joke there. Anyway, today we, we celebrate gay bikers, I've decided. Gay bikers. They're obviously out there somewhere. They might be a bit strangely attracted to the, uh, to the lycra, as it were. But you don't find, you know, traffic wardens going, oh, I must put the lycra on today, do you? On cycles, though, you have to wear it. I don't know why. Is it something to do with sort of the, uh, the, um, sort of the wind going past? Yeah, OK. Whatever, whatever. Coming up to the news at, uh, at five. Uh, Lee Ammon Meyer means pain. For Cheryl, oh, I thought she had somebody as well. The stars sue after a tax scheme is banned. Love Islanders' mission to inspire girls into sport, I think basically just for itself. The patient's given 30 minutes to quit the care home. Aretha Franklin fighting for a life. And uh, the Daily Express is speculating on the Strictly lineup. Listen to LBC, we'll inform you a lot quicker. OK, Ticketmaster to shut resale sites to fight touts. And the Benidorm holiday was ruined, says this lady. There were too many Spanish over there. It was awful. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Three minutes past five. Three minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And uh, we trust you are well today. You good? Good today. Uh, Steve, um, I worked at the Elephant, says Paul in Vauxhall in the uh, early 90s. Fab time. Paul a.k.a. Lily, spent uh, much of his time. Many a drunken lock-in took place. You're right. He worked his bottom off, hence the vodka was needed. Oh, I tell you, I, I, I don't think there was much that, that, that didn't pass Paul's lips in those days. I saw him at the uh, Elephant, and I saw him at the Vauxhall, and we did a few gigs together. Oh, yes, I mean, there was no doubt about it. That was uh, that was a very good creation, recreation. Uh See, Martin the White Liner again. Birdcage, very good example of a straight playing a gay. Robin Williams, yeah, playing a gay person. In fact, even in the original Lacajo Fall, straight people playing gay people. I mean, it was just, you know, it's gone on for, forever. And Richard on the Wirral says, I don't understand the fuss about Jack Whitehall playing a gay person. What next? You'll be telling us that LBC employs six foot six Amazon gods to host the four tilt. Well, no. I mean, come on. I mean, I wish I was six foot six, but oh, you know, come on, six foot's close. Well, five foot ten, actually. I'm not, I didn't even make six foot. I was ever so disappointed. When it said 1.8 metres on my passport, nobody was more depressed than I was. It was a bit difficult. But uh, it's right. I mean, you, you, can't, you, you, don't, you can't sort of say, oh, you've got to be this height to, you know, be Amazonian looking to work four till seven, or you've got to be this type of person or that type of person. It doesn't matter if you're on radio. The whole art of doing radio, if indeed there is an art to it or a science, believe it or not, uh, is to get an audience. 
and uh, come hella high water, that's what you do. You get an audience. It doesn't matter. But I couldn't care less. I've said a million times before, you know, about who listens to the radio. I know that they do surveys and they tell you that you've got so many uh, A plus and this and, and all. It's, it's too, to, to be on, honest with you, it's complicated for me. So it'll be worse for you. But I don't sort of start worrying about, uh, uh, you know, I wonder, you know, what sort of people are listening to the programme. I couldn't care less. I seriously couldn't care less. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's a name. It's a name on a screen, occasionally with a with a photo, and then you can sort of say, "Oh right, I recognise that person," or you know. But that's that's the only thing. But I don't know unless people tell me whether somebody's gay, straight, bisexual, transgender, lesbian. I couldn't care less. Chinese, Eurasian. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Everybody's the same as far as I'm concerned. I really don't uh, worry. Uh, I'm sexually prejudiced, says John. I've only ever had sex with women. Should I be ashamed? Hang your head in shame. Absolutely, honestly. What a selfish person you are. <laughs> and uh, Steve, um, odds on the Benidorm, la- Benidorm lady is from up north. Well, wait a minute. I'm going to... Yeah, she, she's from Blackburn. I'm <laughs> I know. See, I wish we hadn't had to tell you that because it now, you know, it reinforces the stereotype. She's from Blackburn. And we don't really know, actually, what they sound like up in Blackburn. Is it sort of, oh, I'm from Lancashire. It's the biggest aspiration in the world. Oh, right. It's a bit like that. She doesn't talk like that. I shouldn't think so. So perhaps she's never seen anybody. Because uh, I remember, I remember I told you years and years ago when uh, we used to live down, down, I was going to say, was it south? No, Newbury. And we had the Greenham Common Air Base. Well, up until that time, Newbury was this little market town. You know, very sweet. It had its, you know, its uh, department store and it had, you know, the Michaelmas Fair and it had the River Kennet running through it. And it was sort of it was almost a little bit steeped in history. It was lovely. It was very nice. But then the Greenham Common Air Base burst into life. And I remember my mother coming home saying she'd just been on the bus, she said, and a black man got on the bus. They'd never seen a black man in Newbury. They'd seen, they hadn't seen anybody. And, and in came all these servicemen. And, and it was just men. And then we got the Greenham Common women who were there for what seemed like years and years. That seemed like an eternity ago, doesn't it, really? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. But it was, it was the fact that things change. Everything changes. The elephant, says Dave, is now a Starbucks. But the Royal Vauxhall Tavern is still resplendently standing. So it should. You don't find a pub like the, uh, like, like the Vauxhall. Dale and I used to go there all the time. But I tell you, my favourite place was uh, up in uh, Camden and the Black Cap up in Camden in the early days when Mrs Shufflewick was up there and uh, David Dale and Maisie Trollette and there were so many good drag queens. But on a Sunday lunchtime, it was a sing-along time and we would all sing along and it was, it was raucous and it was, it was just wonderful. It was great. Dale loved it up there, loved it. He, lo- he liked the Vauxhall Tavern better, but he also liked XXL which was another very popular place for the larger figure. You know, it was very popular. But, uh, no, the Vauxhall Tavern, you only have to look at the shape of the Vauxhall Tavern to realise, you know, the luminaries who've, uh, who've trod the stage there and the, and the facilities for actually getting ready. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's all good stuff. Uh, do you watch any of the old Top Gears on Dave when Jeremy Clarkson... I see one every day. I see ones every day. And uh, I like them. Nobody, nobody could do that programme the way they did. It just worked. The way it was, it worked. All right, so he made a mistake, but then, dear God, everybody makes a mistake. It's a clever person who can go through life and not make mistakes. We all make mistakes at some point. You know, you, you say something and then you go, 
you know, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so. And a friend of mine has just reminded me of uh, Heidi High. You know, there were all sorts of characters in, in Heidi High. But also Gary Oldman in Prick Up Your Ears, because he was playing Joe Orton, as was uh, Alfred Molina playing his tragic assistant uh, lover. A friend of mine says, I'm off to play a straight man again this morning. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. But you're right, in Prick Up Your Ears, that was what it was. I mean, that was dreadful, wasn't it, really? Funnily enough, one of the places they filmed was down here at the end of the alley. They were looking for an old underground toilet, and there was down at the end of the alley here, one of the old underground toilets in the days when London had fog and mist and smog and stuff like that. And literally, you would get pea supers, and out of the mist would come the lights of a bus. You, yeah, quit. They never saw you straight past. Usual kind of thing. But, uh, oh, no, we used to love it. We used to love it. London in those days. Now it's a, you, now you can see things. It's not, not so exciting, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, why on earth would Megan pick up the phone to her father... When she knows full well he'll divulge every detail of their conversation to the press. He's behaved hideously towards his daughter. His actions are not in keeping uh, with those of a loving, caring, protective father. He's doing his level best to harm, ridicule and embarrass his daughter. He presents himself as a mean, small, self-pitying, unkind man. Her half-siblings are equally awful. It's no wonder she didn't want them present at the wedding. Far better, I think, to have the only loyal family member, her mother, at the wedding, says June, in Poplar. I think, um, put it this way, all, you, all we know is what you read in the newspapers. You don't know anything more than that. I don't know the bloke. So, you know, he didn't want to do anything. Somebody comes along, was it this morning, and offers him 7,000 quid, and they do an interview. Because he wasn't invited to the wedding. That was the thing. He wanted to do a speech. It's his daughter. He wanted to give away his daughter. There wasn't, there wasn't room for him. So, you know, I think there's something more to it, don't you? I'm very suspicious. I just, all of a sudden, I mean, what was the thing that caused the rift? Because this has obviously been going on for some time. So what is it? I think we're not being told something. And I reckon we will hear about it in years to come. I bet you anything. Excuse me. You know what's coming, don't you? You can tell. Thank you. <laughs> Got my cup of water and my uh, thing. Uh, any dates for your Christmas and audience with, uh, says Jane? No, we're looking for a, um, a theatre at the moment. We're looking for a theatre for it. After you mentioned the Queen's vernacular last week... I went straight on to Amazon to buy a copy, says Val. When I used to work at Heathrow, I loved hearing Polari being used in conversations with my gay friends. Also, the book, which was first published in 1972, is available at £35 for a second-hand copy or £570 for a new... I know some of the prices are ludicrous. Ludicrous. I'm, I'm looking for a book. You can find it, but you, you can't find any, any good... Uh, really good conditions and it's called British Circus Life by Lady Eleanor Smith and I've had a few but if you remember I had a flood so I lost two of the books there and I'm totally might as well just throw them away they're totally irretrievable but uh, it's the definitive circus book about you know Rico's Circus but if you can find a copy it's uh, you know it's it's a lovely read but it smells like a proper book you know books that smell like uh, proper books proper books and uh, I heard uh, Pam Spur on the radio the other day. She said, she said she met her husband through a blind date arranged by none other than Dale Winton. Touched a lot of lives, says Tarney. Oh, he touched loads of things. <laughs> he was known for touching things. Uh, did you ever go to trade in Farringdon, says Richard? No, I didn't. We didn't, we didn't venture as far as Farringdon. I don't know why, actually. I did see Divine, but uh, that was at G-A-Y. But uh, Jane says, I went to see Divine at the Camden Palais in the 80s. Brilliant show. Yes. 
Stand up like a man and look me in the eye. I remember when Divine came over. Nobody was too sure what he, she or it was at the time. But, uh, again, another one of those sort of characters. Steve Edwina Curry wrote a novel set at Westminster called A Parliamentary Affair and included a title chap to Andrew, who had weekends in Amsterdam. Good heavens above. Not clogs, edam, cheese and windmills. Good Lord. I think concert promoters are sick, says Connie. Um... I've got a list for you because uh, Ticketmaster have decided to close down one of their or two of their sites, actually. And you've got these uh, overpriced tickets, you know, tickets which are like £72 face value, which seems a lot of money to me. And then by the time they've gone to these other sites, they're up to three, four hundred pounds. But if you want to go and see somebody, you have to pay. It's like yesterday we were talking about Disney. Always pay to go fast track. Who wants to stand there for two hours? No, fast track. I know it's an incentive for those people who've got money. We've got to have a bit of money to go to Disney in the first place. But uh, we take more of your, uh, more of your texts and emails in a moment. 84850steve@lbc.co.uk. So it's Benny Dum on the Daily Star, the gran who wins the payout. She's got 500. She's got one of those. You know, when they, you look at somebody, they've got a really bad perm. This is a really bad perm. And she's a retired care worker. She was left in tears by the two-week disaster trip and moaned, why can't the Spanish go somewhere else for their holidays? I'm sorry, I mean, am I being naive here? Does that sound like racism? I'm sorry, you go to Spain and it's full of Spanish people. So she can complain. There were too many Spaniards in the hotel. What did she expect? I mean, I'm, I'm really, perhaps she doesn't understand. Perhaps she, she thinks that sort of normal conversation. You go to Spain, she said, why can't the Spanish go somewhere else? Because it's their, their country. If they came over here, and they came round, you know, where you are, you know, in Blackburn, you'd be the first one to complain, oh, this bloody place is full of foreigners, isn't it? But she says the accommodation was teeming with rude locals who nearly knocked her over. And if they heard what you were saying, I should imagine they, they should be knocking you over. She said the hotel was full of Spanish holidaymakers and they got on our nerves because they were so rude. One evening, a Spanish guy nearly knocked me flying and he just walked off without even apologising. The entertainment in the hotel was all focused in catering for the Spanish. Well, what do you expect to find, dear? A sing-along with a cup of Rosie Lee. You're in a Spanish hotel in a Spanish resort. I should imagine the entertainment would have been flamenco. That's what it mainly is in the tourist hotel. That, that's what you get in a Spanish hotel. If you go to, you know, a hotel in Blackpool, you get the same thing. Woo! Yeah! Effing dancing. That's the Spanish version, only in a Blackpool hotel. So she was very upset, so she wrote to them. And uh, she and a, and a pal paid 1,133 quid for the holiday at the Poseidon Playa via Thomas Cook. But Frida said it was a disaster. So they've offered her... A £75 voucher. It's now been increased to £566. And uh, a Thomas Cook spokesman says, we're very decent of them. We've offered Miss Jackson and her travel companion a gesture of goodwill to try and put things right, which we hope she will accept. You miserable old devil. Honestly, I wouldn't have given you diddly squat. It's Spain. Of course there's Spanish people there. And um, she, she doesn't like, she's 81, so you can imagine. She's very bitter anyway. She's reached 81. She has to go with a companion. I don't know what she expected to be there. Perhaps people from Blackburn. Hello. Hello, Arfrida. How are you? You all right? Don't go down there. They do this stuff called tippus. And you don't want that at all. It's horrible. But we found a cafe that does English breakfast. It's the most popular thing in Spain, English breakfasts. You know, they go, yeah, double egg and chips. The Spanish are going, they eat this stuff for breakfast? Yep, they do, where she comes from. But uh, she didn't like it. 
But, I mean, she only paid. So that's only... This is for... It was a two-week holiday, and it was 1,000... So 500... She's paying less than 250 quid a week to stay there. That's including your flights. I'm surprised you've got anything at all, love. A two-week holiday. I'm glad you hated it. I shouldn't imagine Spain needs people like you. <laughs> gay Paul says, I thought I was your only gay listener. Oh, I don't know. So that's the trouble. I don't like to ask people now because now you're going to be telling me and I'm going to have to put you onto my, my pie chart. We're doing a pie chart on the programme. We've so far managed to find some gay cyclists. Not difficult. And uh, we found gay bus drivers. We found gay... Mind you, for gay, I'm including lesbian as well. OK, I'm not, I'm not getting too excited over male and female. We're just sort of... I'm afraid you, you've all been lumped into one sort of thing. And, um, and, and Duncan says, what a show today. I knew the lovely Paul before he was famous. We chatted so much in that godforsaken club in Sheffield. If ever I see him these days, he remembers me and makes an effort to say hello. Yes. Well, that's what he's like. He's, he's like that. I was the one I had to keep saying to him, like everybody else did, stop smoking. Next heart attack might not be the good one. Might not be the good one. But uh, he, was, he was kind of a... Di- Mind you, Dale was the same. You could never stop Dale smoking. He, he just never managed it at all. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Wall-to-wall chavs in Lanza Grotti, says Jane. I said we could send her there. It's the, it's the fact that the entertainment in the hotels was geared to the Spanish people. It's a Spanish hotel. I mean, you can't be that thick, surely. It, it really is most baffling. This is the uh, the old woman of 81, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we're far far cleverer down here in Londinium, thank you very much indeed. And she goes to Spain. She goes two weeks with a friend of hers. It costs them 1,033 quid. I mean, it's cheap. It's less than £250 each a week. So that's 500 Just a fraction over £250 a week, including your flight and your food and stuff like that. She complained that the hotel was full of Spanish people. Imagine, in Spain, Spanish people going on holiday. It'd be like going down to Cornwall and going, I'm sorry, English, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Spain with the Spanish. What? You, this, is, this is Cornwall. And they go, well, we, we thought we'd have a holiday here. Well, don't. Just think in future. Stop being so blooming selfish. Go abroad. Stay well away from the country. So she didn't like it. And then the entertainment was geared to the Spanish. The entertainment would be geared to the people in the hotel. And they don't care. I mean, obviously, you know, Rodrigo Alves, they're going to be kind of guessing maybe Spanish. You know, Elsie Sandbottom from Witness or something like that. They're going to guess probably British. And they think that you want to see a bit of flamenco. Personally, it's the most dreary rubbish I've ever seen in my entire life. And then some man standing there with extremely tight trousers on showing religion. You know, doing the... And you think, shut up. I mean, to be honest with you, you need to be off your face to enjoy it. That's why they used to have... Those places where they go, and we're going for a barbecue. And you go, Wee! well, my idea of a barbecue was a small little thing that you bought from home base. You put two sausages and a beef burger on, if you're very lucky, a little bit of sweet corn. Over there, it's thousands of you sitting in an aircraft hangar, and they come around, you want some vile Spanish wine? Here it is, we pour it into your throat, and we pour it into the throat. And you they, that's, and then they go, yeah, that's great, and uh, bullfighting and all the rest of it. And it was most boring, and you had to do it, because that's what was on offer. Nowadays, you get the a little room in the hotel. They go in the uh, in the hotel Luxor theatre bar tonight. Flamenco. In our one, when we went to La- Lanza Grotti, some bloke turned up with a selection of wild animals. He had an iguana, a snake, an owl, and a hawk. And we all sat there transfixed because it was free and the place is so bloody boring. You'll hate it seriously. If ever you go to Lanza Grotti, you will not like it. 
I promise you. Unless you basically come from up north and you're used to that sort of thing. It's all, everybody's doing English breakfasts because it's all English and we, we won't eat what everybody, because we're just, I'm not eating that. What's that? It's, it's fish. Oh, not touching fish. Have you, have you got a cooked breakfast? Well, the wife booked this hotel. I was told it did cooked breakfast and we got, what sort of fish is it? Pil pilchards? What, for breakfast? You know, and, and the Brits sit there and go, what are you going to have? Oh, I think we'll have a double McDonald's and everything else. And it's all full English. It says it on the thing, full English breakfast. What do we eat most of the time over there? Blubbing pizzas. Imagine going, you know, we didn't get the full majesty and grandeur of Spain having a bit of pizza, I don't think. I was, I was a little bit disappointed, but it doesn't matter, actually. Debbie, an outrageous statement. I'm suing, OK? You know, I've never heard of any such trollop in all my life. Uh, Steve, could you put me on your pie chart... Uh, I'm a gay Christian. Now, here we... See, now we're actually going further down the, the line here. There is no such thing as a gay Christian, OK? It's not possible, because I've heard people on LBC arguing about this. It's not possible, OK? Uh, Paulio says, where am I on your gaydar or straightdar pie chart? You're not, which is even more depressing, isn't it? Even more depressing when you're not even on the chart. Where are you going to put me on the on the on the chart? We're not. Hearing you talk about the woman who went to Spain and was complaining about being sp full of Spanish people reminds me of a couple of complaints that travel agents received. First, when we went to Italy, we discovered everybody was driving on the wrong side of the road, and it's very confusing for the wife. Secondly, when we went down for our evening meal, we were very disappointed to discover they didn't serve any English food or Spanish food. You see, I thought that'd be nice. Bit of paella. Or basically a load of old tat thrown into a frying pan and heated up very quickly. Or oh, what is this? Uh, Manuel, because we've been here before. Manuel, hello. Back again, me and Doris. And uh, where are we? So, uh, some new people have joined our table, Manuel. Th th these are our new friends. They've flown in from Skegness, another dump. And so we're here today and we're going to have Spanish food. That'll be nice. What have we got? Manuel knows us very well. We've been coming here for six years. Coming here for six years. We know him, the wife and all the kids and the women he slept with in the hotel. We know all of them, honestly. You've got Manuel, you made us laugh at breakfast the other morning, didn't you? He works all the hours God sends. All the hours God sends, I tell you. And he managed to find us an extra few chips in, uh, for, for breakfast in the morning, which was quite nice. Thank, yeah, thank you, Manuel. Well, I'll give, you sh I'll give you a shout if we need some more of that disgusting red wine you're trying to flog us. And that's what it's like. That's the Brits abroad, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jan in South Nord, I can't. I can't. You'll know the answer. You'll, you'll know what the question is. But um, I can't, I'm afraid. Otherwise engaged. Otherwise engaged. But uh, Jan says, I used to absolutely love going to the Vauxhall on a Sunday lunchtime in the early mid-80s. A lively, happy, funny, noisy place full of absolutely gorgeous men. I remember seeing the Trollettes and also Della. I don't remember Della, but I do remember Mike on the Narrowboat, Mark Fleming. Mark Fleming was a big Jewish drag queen and he was very good. <laughs> He was very, very good. He did patter and singing as well. Uh, he used to refer to the Queen Mother as Fred, and they used to go up and down the corridors. It was either on skateboards or motorbikes. And uh, some, of the, some of the material I can't repeat, but he would look after um, uh, the other... I've now forgotten the other drum. I'm so, so carried away with this story. Um, but uh, Mrs Shufflewick was up there. And Mrs Shufflewick, unfortunately, used to drink. And you can read stories all about Mrs. Shufflewick, who appeared on um, the windmill stage. He used to come on stage dressed as a, a sort of a little, a little sort of old lady. 
and uh, and and just just looked like a little. I'm doing that voice again, and and looked like a little old lady. But Mark Fleming would come on stage, and he'd say, "Right," he'd say, "Who's got shuff drunk?" Because if she drank too many drinks before the performance at the Black Cap or any of the other venues they worked together, it was just they they just put him up on stage and he'd just collapse and they had to take him off again. It was I mean it became part of the act, but it was it was in the fun times. I'm sure it was fun times. I don't remember there being sort of any animosity. People would pile out onto the streets afterwards and it was it was it was just it was great times actually. Really, really good times. A friend of mine says, You can't rush Paella. It's low and slow for as long as you dare to go. Is that what they say? It's low and slow for as long as you dare to go. I had a salad yesterday. God, that was boring. I decided to have a little... They do two salads for four pounds. I ate them both. I didn't even want to eat them, but I, I left them. And I put some salad cream over there. And I, and I liked it a lot more. Very exciting. Uh, Steve. Um, uh, Bill. Gay data scientist. And my partner, Chris, a gay wrestler, stroke IT consultant. Gay wrestler just at home or maybe outside of the home. <laughs> also remember the elephant fondly. People did, didn't they? I mean, it was, you know, there were so many different places that people went to in London. There was sort of, it was almost like a subculture. You'd bump into people. I mean, I knew all sorts of, of people. You know, Dale and I would bump into people. And it's sort of, and he didn't drink, remember, at the time. So I'm the only one getting tiddly poos, thank you very much indeed, at the bar. And uh, he hated it when I got drunk. He absolutely hated it until he discovered drink much, much later in life. I think after he'd been to America a few times, he fell into bad company, I'm sure, and, uh, and enjoyed his uh, drinks. David Hyde, who played Niles in Frasier, uh, is, uh, is a gay guy playing a straight character brilliantly. Plus, any Amdram will have many gay people playing straight roles. Not a problem. Do you know, actually, the funny thing is when you say Amdram, that's where every queen goes. I think I want to be an actor. I shall, I shall act with the local Amdram people. I shall join the society. I remember coming back on the train from Waterloo some years ago, and there was a rather elderly gentleman in the corner who looked as though he could have been an actor, and he was speaking loudly on his phone. Yes, darling, yes, we've just finished at the National. Finished. Yes, I'm back there tomorrow. You must drop in. Please, do. everybody's listening to this conversation on the phone. He's speaking in such a... I felt like saying, shh. But he was so keen on impressing to people that he was an actor and he was appearing at the National Theatre. I felt like saying, yes, darling, yes, Steve Allen, on the radio every morning. Won't believe your ears. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Steve Allen's uh, early breakfast on LBC. What a trip run down memory lane for many of you today. Uh, Steve, uh, I always take my wife and young family to a lovely, very Spanish resort called... Roquetas de Mar, which is in Almira. Lovely hotel, not too many Brits, which is nice, and we love it. Spanish food, Spanish entertainment and lovely weather. Granny from up north, get a grip, you old bag. That's what they wrote. I just merely repeat it to you. It's true, though, isn't it? I think she was being racist. I don't think she knows she was being racist, because she probably wouldn't understand it, because I shouldn't imagine they, they know anything about that uh, in, uh, in Blackpool at all. Um, somebody here has a dog called Bronson. I'm not going to repeat what you've said on here, but it's very funny, but it's not going to be repeated. But uh, fancy calling a dog Bronson. I mean, you know, that, what sort of dog is it, as if I, as if I couldn't imagine? Uh, Peter says, Matt Damon played Liberace's lover in the film Behind the Candelabra. Michael Douglas was brilliant. And they kissed in it because they were acting. This goes back to the story 
that uh, they don't want a straight actor. Well, a few people, a few mealy-mouthed little trolls don't want a, a straight actor playing a gay character. It apparently should have gone to a, a gay person. I mean, that's ridiculous. How many gay out actors are there? There's not that many. There's not that many. You'd, you'd run out of... Oh, we, we, should we make a film about Rock Hudson? Oh, a bit difficult. We can't find an actor to play him. You know, it's like, you know, trying to find somebody to play Katie Price. I mean, how many people do you know, brassy and with no money, who could play themselves? Oh, her. There you go. Could be a good one. Uh, Steve, I will go on holiday in Turkey. If you want, I will bring something for you. Not like the beach or something like that. That'd be quite... Yes, worthless money at the moment, isn't it? The Turkish lira. Would you like millions? Here they go. They're all yours. All yours. I, too, like watching, says tanker driver Phil, the old top gear. I've never seen the new one, which I think will fizzle out. Unfortunately, getting Amazon Prime is beyond my technical ability, so I haven't seen any of the new episodes Jeremy and the boys have done. I'm afraid Jeremy had been a target of the liberal left for a long time. But uh, it now looks like Boris is the new target, but he's a lot more resilient. Oh, he is very resilient. I just, I like watching the old top gears. I, I, I seriously do. I'm not... I've got a friend who's really... I mean, if you were going to call anybody a petrol head, he would be a petrol head. He loves cars. I, frankly, I don't know anything about cars at all. I just know you, 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 know, you push the door and the door opens and you get in and then you kind of, you know, drive it and then you put petrol in it and then you put more petrol in and then that's it. And then you have to pay for tax and insurance and MOT and all these other bits and pieces. I don't know anything else about cars. I couldn't assemble an engine if my life depended on it. I mean, there's no point in me breaking down by the side of the road, highly unlikely, of course, and, uh, and then having to lift the bonnet because it would be like, you know, the, the blind looking down on the completely unexplainable because I wouldn't have the faintest idea what to do. In other cars, I've been able to put oil in. I could always check the oil. You'd have to go and get one of those greasy uh, rags, wouldn't you, to sort of wipe your dipstick. Well, nowadays, I don't need to do that because it comes up on the computer. It'll tell me if I need air in the tyre, like most cars. Most cars, this is not something, uh, you know, unusual to sort of, you know, high-performance cars. This is just, it's on everything now. In fact, some have got camera. I haven't even got a camera on the car, which is a bit embarrassing. So the next one is definitely having cameras front and back. Whether it will improve my parking, I don't know. It probably won't, actually. I'm a terrible parker. Terrible parker. Um, I'll tell you it's a terrible parker. It took me terrible. I watched the Thunderbirds film the other day. It was, the, it was the live one with real people in it, as opposed to... It was awful. It was truly dreadful. I didn't realise how bad it was. it was. It was truly dreadful. And I started watching it. I phoned a friend of mine um, who um, had something to do with Thunderbirds. That's all I can tell you. And, um, and I said, I'm watching the Thunderbirds film. He said, which one? I said, the one with live actors. He went, oh, God. He said it was awful. I said, truly, truly awful. Truly awful. Oh, look, a picture of Jack Whitehall with his dad, Michael, travelling around Europe. They visit the, the Bavarian Alps, go shopping in the bazaars of Istanbul and try out beer bikes in Budapest. And uh, by the time they dressed up as clowns to join a group of entertainers in, U in the Ukraine, it looked like they had very little left to smile about. Well, they hadn't, I don't think. <laughs> they won't have after all this stuff that's come up. Eric says, uh, I am awake. See, I quite like, I quite like that. I like everything to be awake in the Because we do start at four. I don't mind. Bring a note from your parents. Um, you know, but do do try and make it for four. It's it's kind of better for the spike. I mean, the spike's good at four. It could, could go up vertically a little bit better. And uh, can I go on your pie chart as a gay lawyer? <laughs> He says, are you doing age range for dating purposes? No, no, no. We're just, I'm just quite, uh, quite intrigued by the memories that people have got in London. Which, of course, if we all lived in Manchester or Birmingham, we'd probably all have different memories. But because in London, he says, do you remember Regina Fong? 
remember Regina Fong, a friend of mine used to make all her tapes. And in case you don't know what that is, like, tape is a very old-fashioned thing from years and years ago. Cassette tapes, and he used to make, and they were made at LBC, I can tell you, uh, jingles, and not, not necessarily jingles, but little playlets. And Regina Fong would mime to the little... And people would request them. So we had, um, we had the Butch Kangaroo, Skippy. We had, um, the, the, the tre- we had all sorts of different... I can't remember what half of them were. But a friend of mine made them. A friend, he also did the Danny LaRue... You know, Danny Drew, I'm a very big international star, and I think you're impertinent, he said to our lovely Sue Jameson, our arts reporter at the time, when Danny appeared to be muscling in on publicity for Sunday openings. But uh, So I do remember Regina Fong. In fact, you can find all these people on, um, on YouTube. She was awful and often picked on me at the Black Cap, says Eric. I'm still traumatised by the experience. Yes, I mean, the trouble is when, when, when some of the patter acts, and this applies to anybody nowadays, you go and see, you know, comedians or something like that, and if, if, if you don't ever go, who's that Scottish comedian who's very rude? No, very rude, uh, Frankie Boyle. Don't ever sit in the front row of a Frankie Boyle show. I mean, that is fatal. Fatal. Because he picks on people. Now, some people are very good at being picked on. Uh, but unfortunately, the only person who ever wins that is the person with the microphone. And so you would get very good patter. And most, most of the queens who worked the circuit as drag had very good patter. Very good patter. In fact, actually, uh, Mark Fleming had possibly some of the best patter. None of it repeatable at all on this programme, or even for Regina Fong, who I thought was sort of, you know, one, one of the slightly better ones when it came to patter. But uh, some of them were terrible. You would be picked on unmercilessly. Ron says, does anybody live on Eel Pie Island? Yeah. Loads of people. There's businesses over there. There's about 120 people live over there. There's, uh, admittedly, the houses aren't all that, because they've had to take all the stuff over on boats or lift it over on the the bridge. But yes, yes, there's about 120 people. There's boat yards on there where they repair boats and put boats back together again. And there's um, a wildlife sanctuary at the very end of it. But, oh yeah, loads of people live on there. Loads of people. Which is quite not. Of course, the worst thing is that when the tide is up, because the River Thames is tidal, you have to wait unless you've got a pair of Wellingtons because you can't get to the bridge because the water comes up quite high. Just thought I'd mention that to you, just in case you were sort of thinking about um, that heading down in our way. It's quite, it's quite pretty round, round Twickenham. You could do Twickenham on a walk down to Richmond or failing that. My favourite, always has been, and I just wish they'd stop at Twickenham, is to take a boat up to Hampton Court Palace. That's always a nice thing to do. And if you're a certain age, which I am, a nice cup of tea on the boat going up there. And you just you just sort of look at all the sights. So I, I love it. Unfortunately, I tend to find, you know, people looking over me going, I wonder what that is. And I, I tend to tell people. I star and garter, this is so-and-so-and-so. This is the, the temple. and Oh, dear. So it all goes down. I was looking at a picture the other day of, um, of Darcy Bustle's house. I was quite disappointed. I thought it'd be really big. And, and I mean, she's going to change it. Whether that's because people are looking at it going, but you must have made a fortune. And, uh, and then I looked at the pictures of the bloke who wrecked these homes worth four million after he got the sack. And it came down. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I've got no idea. But um, one couple were on the telly yesterday and they said, oh, we had a lucky escape. They said, we, we've just bought uh, house number 23. And so the reporter went, oh, right. He said, why was that a lucky escape? He said, because we nearly bought number 20. He said, number 20 is the one that's uh, partly demolished. He said, but the, at the last minute, we couldn't arrange it, so we bought number 23. Psh, that's what you call very, very lucky. Uh, Joe in uh, Heathrow, myself and the lovely Regina, the wife, 
Went to Palma in Mallorca a couple of years ago. There was nobody there who spoke English. Lots of drunk Germans. Never go there. I've been to Palma before, actually. I thought Palma was quite nice. I thought Palma was OK, actually. But, yeah, but the Germans can drink. You very rarely find drunk Germans because they can drink. I mean, they have beer festivals. We were going to have a gin festival in this country, but the company went bust. So they're selling off so many thousands of bottles of gin. It was in the, uh, in the papers yesterday. But luckily, I don't drink gin, so I, I, don't, I can't bear the smell of it. Cannot bear the smell of it. Awful. Um, what else do we have in the paper today? Uh, Ticketmaster closes sites used to rip off fans after mail exposes. Uh, also, uh, Labour MP facing trial of a speeding lies. Uh, da, 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 da. And Gail Porter showing off her hair. She's not had hair for ages, and so she showed it off for the first time on, on Loose Women yesterday. There you go. She's got hair again. She'll be very happy about that. I think she's got a book coming. I'm pretty certain she's got a book. And uh, we'll try and get her on for In Conversation. We're not just going to talk about hair, quite clearly. She has been projected onto the House of Parliament, I believe. Or was it Big Ben? I, could, I was never too sure. Um, how to boost your child's world power. Chat to them. People don't talk to their kids now, do they? I'm, I'm quite disappointed. I thought that some parents would talk to their children. I've seen some really bright children on the television recently doing programmes like uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and, uh, which, is, which is quite good, actually. Uh, also, um, Sir Cliff, the ordeal has boosted his faith. He's already a committed Christian. He says, I think it's stronger than ever because I've had to rely on it in recent years, much more so than I've ever had to do before. So that's good. He's playing, um, he's playing uh, the Royal Albert Hall in October. I think it's uh, just about sold out. Steve Martin celebrates a birthday today. How old? Go on, guess. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. How old is Steve Martin? And the answer is, you think, 89? 73? I useless you are, honestly. Typical cyclist. Uh, Adrian Lester is celebrating a birthday. He's 50. He's 50. He's been on In Conversation. He was lovely. And uh, also, in 1975, on August the 14th, the Rocky Horror Picture Show opened in the United Kingdom. Let's do the time warp again. <sighs> Such a good show. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Do you know, for the first time ever, I've just noticed they do um, a factory tour, an afternoon tea, of the Morgan Motor Company for £75 for two people. Seems quite cheap, doesn't it, really, if you're a, if you're a fan of motor vehicles. It's in the uh, Daily Mail today. Page 61. And also, somebody called Trevor Bailey uh, from Nottingham says, when they were talking the other day, Quentin Letts was talking about the things to realise that you're over 50. You know, when you start sort of thinking, oh, I'll just have a little sit down here. I'm constantly looking around for seats. Wherever I am, I'm looking around for seats. But I don't want to sort of squash myself in the middle of something. And I've, I've been known to make people remove their dogs from seats. I hate that, and that drives me mad. But anyway, so you, you sort of get a seat. The, but, but the one simple pleasure in life, he said, is a cup of tea and a slice of cake. You know, and it, it could be fruitcake, it could be lemon drizzle. And that's the sort of thing. You get to a certain age and they go, oh, what's your idea of sort of a nice afternoon? And I go, a cup of tea and a slice of cake. And I, I could be quite happy with that for ages and ages. And I don't even eat cake. I mean, seriously, I'm over the, you know. Sorry? Yes, no, please don't tell us your favourite cake, says the producer. Otherwise, he'll have to ban you. <laughs> because, but there are certain cakes that I do like. I quite like they do a blackberry sundae. Well, failing that, I'm, I'm quite partial to um, what do they call it? It's like a donut, a long donut, cream in the middle, and then a drizzle of, of jam over the top of it. They're quite nice. 
We've had those before now, not for ages, but they are particularly nice. And they also do a very nice one in Greg's, which is an apple turnover with cream in the apple as well. You know, good squirt of cream. We like that as well. Uh, Steve, Dorothy Squires once rented the Palladium for her one-woman show and had Shuffer's support act. She was doing one of her big dramatic numbers when a drunken Shuff, this is Mrs Shufflewick, uh, Reg, appeared sweeping the stage around her. She she locked Shuff in the dressing room for the second half. Well, actually, strange enough, for that show at the Palladium, Dorothy Squires had had um, a fire. She didn't have any outfits to wear, so Danny LaRue lent her some of his outfits so she could wear... I mean, she was married to Roger Moore, which is what comes as the big surprise, because people used to say... Uh, Dorothy, who, who liked a few uh, a few bevies, she say people said when you when you left uh, Roger, did you get bitter? I said bitter, gin, whiskey, lager, everything, especially bitter. She liked that. Uh, David Sutton, so true. I live in Palmer, says Diane, and unfortunately the English drunks are in the minority in the area. Best avoided. Palmer's a great place. I listen to you every day. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've I've got a recommendation. You're going to think I'm mad on this one. But uh, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone the other day. Well, I say a friend of mine. They're a friend of mine now. What I do is I pick up, I just dial at random, and I start the conversation before they've had a chance to say anything. So you could be 15 minutes in before they suddenly go, I'm telling you, who are you? And I go, is that not Dave? No. Oh, I'm so sorry, mate. Bye. Or, or failing that, if you really want to wind somebody up. Get loads of different people uh, phoning up. And when somebody answers, go, hi, is Dave there? I'd say, OK, thanks. Put the phone down. Two minutes later, call them back. Hi, is Dave there? No. And you do this, you know, throughout, throughout the day, about 20 times, you know, provided somebody's not of a nervous disposition. And at the end of the day, you phone up and go, hi, Dave here. Any messages? <laughs> Always works. Always works. Nothing like cheering people up. Uh, Regina Fong's best routine was the typewriter. Who was the comedian who used to dance to Ravel's Bolero using a tray to hit his head? Was it Barrymore? No, it was a, a bloke, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't Ravel's Bolero at all. It was uh, Mule Train, and he'd hit himself on the head. Mule Train, <laughs> crack himself over the head with it. But there used to be another one. There used to be another one who used to used to play a drunk. You know, proving that you know people can play drunks. Some people are very good at actually being drunk, but he he played drunks, and he'd come on stage and he's like had talk talk. Because we were saying the other day, we didn't think it was possible to actually do a radio programme when you've had quite a few shows. It's probably a music-based programme. You could probably manage, but you cannot do it on a speech-based programme. A friend of mine says, for some inexplicable reason, I've uh, affected a penchant for profiteroles. Ooh. (laughs) Profiteroles are a bit like Ferreira Rocher. They're very nice, but a bit naff. Because you can buy them. And I remember years ago, Glyn Christian. You remember Glyn Christian? Uh, used to be a cook on LBC. We had that on the breakfast show. There'd be somebody from the Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Information Bureau. And then you would have Glyn Christian. Every, you know, somebody from the meat thing or whatever it was. So they would give you the best market prices. But Glyn would come in and he brought in one day. And I always remember it because it was, it was profiteroles mounted up like, um, like a giant Ferrero Rocher kind of pyramid. But drizzled with toffee. In other words, you take toffee and you throw it and it turns into little strands. And that was really exciting. That was like having a curly-whirly without the chocolate on it. Please don't write in with your favourite sweets. We are not BBC Shropshire. And, uh, and you used to get all these things. So when you mentioned profiteroles, my mother used to make them. And then I had some with pink cream inside, which I think was pink flavoured with something else. But you're right, profiteroles... Oh, quite nice. I had a rhubarb. No, it wasn't a rhubarb. It was a strawberry apple crumble the other day. 
which was lovely. I mean, it really was delicious. And I've decided I like apple crumble. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think uh, apple crumble particularly likes me, but there you go. Was Paul O'Grady good live at the Vauxhall, says Christine? Absolutely. He, he, um, <laughs> he used to do it with a little bit of assistance, but he was, he was just particularly good. It was just particularly good. It was tough work. You know, I think people thought in the early days when you used to go and watch entertainment in pubs, and there's nothing new about entertainment in London pubs or any pubs where you are, you know, to have a pianist in and play on a Saturday night was quite normal. All they did was add somebody to sing the songs to lead you into it. And uh, hence you've got entertainment in London pubs. So London pubs were full of entertainment. You know, heterosexual pubs would have strippers in. You know, lunchtime and evenings, if they were that kind of uh, a pub. And anybody could sort of wander in. I know, because I used to live with three girls who used to go work in the pubs of London. I must do my book someday. <laughs> I don't think it'll get through, though. Uh, Gay Paul says, when I was 16, back in 1988, I went to the Vauxhall Tavern, and Lily Savage picked on me, asking me where my parents were. I was so embarrassed, but uh, such fun memories. I remember a fr- friend of mine, stupidly, went to the Vauxhall Tavern, and people would crowd around the front of the stage, and he put his glass on the stage, and the, the drag act came on, and, um, and sort of looked at the evening, the evening, we had all this kind of thing, you know, hello, everybody, everybody clapped and cheered and all the rest of it, and he looked down at this glass, and, uh, and this, this bloke, and he said, excuse me, he said, are you in show business? And this bloke went, no, he said, well, get your effing glass off the stage. <laughs> people were very funny about it. But the dressing room was the size of a postage stamp. Potage stamp, but uh, yeah, happy, happy days, happy days. Uh, Mark says, I'm off to Glasgow to see Frankie on Saturday, the highlight of my year. Everybody who goes loves to be picked on by him, it's an honour. Frankie, oh, Frankie Boyle you're going to see. Oh, right. I mean, actually, sometimes you get picked on even if you're not in the front row. And he is rude. And to be honest with you, I mean, I know it sounds awful and I hate to admit this to you, but I actually think some of the stuff he does, in fact, the more gross it is, the more I find myself going, no can't say that but then you look at the effect that it has on all the people around but you don't have to go to it you don't have to buy a ticket to a show but if you do buy a ticket you have to ex- expect to be picked on because he literally whizzes through the audience he's, he's very good at, uh, at doing that i remember somebody years ago doing the same sort of thing the standard lines hello did you go to the hairdresser today didn't think so you know and all that kind of stuff and you just basically belittle people but the worst one i ever heard was for some stand-up comic in a pub and somebody stood up and said, listen, let's face it, mate, he said, you're just not very funny. <laughs> kind of the biggest put-down you could ever, ever have. Uh, David in Crouch End says, one of the most heterosexual actors, the late Peter Finch, played a gay character in the film Sunday Bloody Sunday, where he kissed Murray Head full on the lips. And those other two overtly hetero actors, the late Richard Burton and the late Rex Harrison, played a gay couple in the film Staircase. I've got a poster of Staircase. They played hairdressers. They were hairdressers, gay hairdressers, but it was still a bit of a bit of a taboo subject. But I thought if you were really butch as an actor, you could get away with it, and nobody nobody thought it was uh, anything too peculiar. Uh, so Corbyn again, again, front page of the Mail. Um, Corbyn engulfed by the Munich massacre storm. The Israeli PM savages him over the tribute at the terror graves. He's ridiculed for saying, I don't think I was involved, and the families of the murdered athletes have demanded an apology. It's kind of a lot to take in, isn't it, in, in one go. There's about, you know, four different items there which he's got to deal with, or not, as the case may be. And what people tend to do nowadays is just sort of, just sort of leave them. Uh, and he doesn't say anything. So here is, um, here's a parrot. And uh, for some reason, it ends up on the roof of a house. I'm assuming it must have flown up there. But anyway, it, it, it doesn't want to come down. Her name's Jessie. 
They always give him names like that. Jesse the Macaw. Now, Macaws are very good at mimicking people and picking up on things. And so the RSPCA and the fire brigade turn up and they put up a big long ladder and up goes the fireman. Gets to the top and he's got a bowl of food and uh, and he thinks that because I'm, I, as far as I'm concerned, leave the thing up there. Just leave it there. You know, it's going to come down eventually when it wants to go to the toilet or something like that, watch a bit of television. And so he's pushing some, some food towards you. going, who's a pretty Polly? And the bird tells him to F off. <laughs> Imagine, can't you? The last thing you'd be expecting the bird to say, as opposed to being grateful for being rescued from the top of the house. <laughs> I thought it was great. He said, I, I called out, I love you in English, Turkish and Greek. It didn't help. She had a, she had a bit of a foul mouth and just kept swearing at us. Thankfully, it soon became apparent that Jessie was fine and she flew off to another roof and then to a tree. Kind of a waste of time bringing the ladders out, isn't it? Did you ever go to the Cricketers on Battersea Park Road, says Rob? Yes. That's where they used to perform on the bar at the Cricketers. Yeah, They've all finished all those places. Vauxhall, well, the Vauxhall Tavern's still around, of course. Royal Oak in Hammersmith became a lap-dancing club. Apparently, it's slightly more interesting for people, I think. Coming up very shortly, the news at six o'clock. It's Tuesday, the 14th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, Raheem Sterling gets his son's kiss on his leg. It's another tattoo. Uh, Banned the dog owners facing a jail term after a toddler is mauled by a dog they'd only just had for about a week. Poundland has got new £1 skincare creams. Uh, Boris has called for action to halt the housing disgrace. And uh, the soul legend Aretha Franklin is fighting for her life. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past set. Remind me to tell you before the end of the programme, there is a film that you have to watch if you want to know how Brexit's going to work. OK, it's it's I mean, I can't believe I didn't think about this days and days ago, but uh, I only thought about it the other day. And I remember thinking, Do you know, I must remember to tell everybody that. And uh, did Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve once and just knocked on the screen? Somebody's trying to do predictive texting here, and it's not it's not working at all well. I tried doing that. My my predictive text is rubbish on my phone. So we got as far as Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve once, and just there's obviously words missing here. We'll have to have to get them back. I think. Uh, Steve, I remember working at uh, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, especially on Sundays and sports days, with Adreller and Savage. Fab Times says uh, Ebony. And says, I still have the badge you gave me in heaven. Look at you still being there, listening. Look at you still being listening. God, I remember that Remember that night as well. I remember that night so well, Ebony. Oh, dear, honestly. Happy days in London. The funny thing is, you know, London, for, for everything that everybody says about it, it's actually quite small. I know it seems big. Probably, you know, if you're, if you're coming from outside, there's nine, ten million of us. But I promise you, if you're actually here, everything is, is around here, Trafalgar Square. The, I tell you what's, uh, what worried me the other day. It turns out that the people who used to go to the National Portrait Gallery are not going to the National Portrait Gallery or the National Gallery. The figures have halved. So you should go. I promise you, you'll not be disappointed. If you look at it, it's free. I think people look at the imposing building on Trafalgar Square and they go, that's going to cost a lot. It's free. It's free. Some of the special exhibitions you have to pay for, but I promise you, you, uh, you can go in there for free. Go to the Tudor section. You'll see some really famous pictures in there. Probably it's, it's, it's an education, you know, without it being a bit snooty or anything like that. It's lovely. Uh, Brian, I agree with you. Happy memory, Steve, of Regina Fong, says Jason, usually in Pimlico. Uh, the, uh, the trolley song. 
He said, uh, bang, 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 went the trolley as Corrie's Alan Bradley got mowed down by the tram in Blackpool while he was pursuing Paul Reacher. It was hilarious. He did a Stonewall benefit at the Albert Hall once. 5,000 people doing the typewriter. And let's not forget Skippy the Butch Kangaroo. Fond memories of that one for loads of people. Bob the Trey, who used to do Mule Train at the Dan Farson's Waterman Arms, says Brian in Thailand. Yeah. I just... His name was, yeah, Bob Blackman. He was on the bill at the Floral Pavilion, says T.D. Phil, at, uh, at Brighton once a year, and I was unfortunate in the audience. So I thought it was quite clever. I mean, it's not the sort of thing you do, mule train, and then he'd take this tin tray and crash himself on the head. He, po- he popped up on loads and loads of programmes. Uh, Steve, our African grey parrot, Del Boy, is 19 and swears like a trooper. Could never have the vicar round. They always used to say that, assuming that the vicar never swore. Oh, the vicar would be horrified, you know, or nuns. Steve, uh, yes, and I'm not going to tell you what it is at the moment, but you are absolutely right. Peter Finch was a fine actor, um, says uh, Chris in Cardiff. Sunday Bloody Sunday, and a film called Something to Hide with Shelley Winters. Oh, right. The Pyramid of Profiteroles with Spun Caramel is called Croc en Bouche. Is it? Croc- what does that translate as? Come on, you're supposed to be learning French, or Francais, as he tells me. Croque-en-bouche. Well, I know what croque-monsieur is. It's ham and cheese, but how that fits in with this one, I don't know. You're going to have to cheat and find it. But apparently, it's commonly served as a wedding cake in France, says Mike, on the narrowboat again. Had a year, had, had one a year ago at a wedding in, uh, in Alsac. Is it Alsac, it's pronounced? Yes, Al- Alsace. But, uh, yeah, so the profit roll pyramid. So it's called, yeah, croque-en-bouche. Commonly served as a wedding. There it is. Croque en bouche. Oh, it looks lovely. Go on, let's start going for this. Let's start going for this. So it's shoe pastry balls, piled into a cone, bound with threads of caramel in Italy, France, served at weddings, baptisms and first communion. It means something that crunches in the mouth. My auntie Enid had something that crunched in the mouth. It was her teeth. She was t- Honestly, sometimes she, they used to drop out on a regular basis. I don't know. I think she used to put them in with sort of plaster of Paris or something. And then they, she'd be sick and all of a sudden they'd just, you know, the top layer would just drop. And we'd go, you all right? Oh, go, oh damn, drive for honestly. But uh, somebody's corrected me on my pronunciation. It's not profiteroles. It's profiteroles. At least that's what we say in Northern Ireland. Well, there you go. What are you telling us for? We're English. We're English. Also, I thought you said you were diabetic. Yeah? What's that got to do with it? What have I got to do with it? What do you think? Well, because you're a diabetic, you can't have anything like that. Of course you can. Of course you can. Goodness sake, you just don't have it on a regular basis. Uh, another one here. I was always a bit unsure, says James in Bracknell. Wait for this one. I was a bit unsure about Jamie Oliver until I found out he was a 4am spiker. Now I won't hear a bad word about the ruddy good bloke. He's, he's, well, he, he hits the gym, I think, at about five. I think he has an alarm clock. I read the other week that he has an alarm clock which gets him into bed. Because otherwise he, he wouldn't go to bed. You have to sort of push him. <laughs> go to bed. Go to bed now. But, uh, yes, he's, uh, he is, uh, he's part of our spike, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, the Quebec pub, says Martin, the oldest gay pub, is still going near Marble Arch. I think, actually, it, was, it used to be called the Elephant's Graveyard, didn't it? I seem to remember that's what it was called years and years ago. Uh, Donnie says, you're a fan of fig rolls. Yeah, I like fig rolls. I do like fig rolls. I think they're, they're not everybody's cup of tea. I like wafers. But again, I don't, I don't have things like that all the time. Uh, Tom Jones is back on stage, we are told, which is good news because we've got a little bit worried. But uh, the one thing that he does is um, 
he sings. So he's back on stage, which I'm very, very pleased about. The stars suing after the tax scheme is banned. And there's all sorts of famous names. There's uh, Gary, flog your packet of crisps, Lineker. And uh, the Beckhams. I think there's loads of people who've put their money into these schemes, which is designed, legally it was, um, to kind of reduce your, your tax bill. Otherwise, there's no point in putting it in there, is there really? Much easier to sort of set up a foundation. I wonder if the Beckhams have got a foundation. Dave and Vic's foundation. That's the kind of... Did... Oh, right, you volunteered for UNICEF. Oh, right, interesting. Stephen Fleetwood says, I got my legs photographed at the Rocky Horror Show when at the Lowry in Salford. I was in my Frankenfurter garb. Everybody dresses. Must be one of the only shows that appears in the theatre, the length and breadth of the land, and the audience are more rowdy than the people on stage. They used to have security at Wimbledon Theatre. They'd have security men there. Because they, when they said there was a light over there, there's a light over at the Frankenstein... And everybody would hold up a lighter. You know? <laughs> and when, when it was raining, everybody took water pistols and they decided they didn't want water pistols anymore. But it was still, uh, it was still good stuff. Uh, Steve, uh, I think one of the many funny drunk actors you mentioned on stage was Dickie Henderson. No, definitely not Dickie Henderson. He was just... I mean, actually, on memory, he did lurch a bit on a couple... But whether that was genuine or not, I don't know. I don't know the Spartan Club, but it sounds fascinating. And 50 years ago, says Richard, I used to go to the Waterman's Arms on the Isle of Dogs, which was owned by the reporter Dan Farson. They had a musical every night, and in particular, an old performer, Celia Hunt, who always sang Three Old Ladies Got Locked in the Lavatory. Was that the one that the, they were there from Monday till Saturday... Nobody knew that they were there. And it's, oh dear, what can I... We used to sing songs. Sounds odd, doesn't it, really? But we did amuse ourselves long before television. There was actually a thing called conversation and singing, and we were very good at it. And uh, when, when Jamie Oliver, Steve, did The Naked Chef many years ago, I thought he would have been naked. See, I think that's just wishful thinking. I think that's just wishful thinking. I also thought the same thing. When it started, it said The Naked Chef with Jamie Oliver, and I remember thinking... What, he's going to be naked on the television? <laughs> but he wasn't. But he wasn't. Uh, Freddie Frinton was the classic drunk. Uh-huh. Kevin, he says, the way you went from terrible Parker cars to terrible Parker Thunderbirds was a testimony to your greatness. You're definitely the best in the game. I know it's uncanny sometimes, isn't it? Even I amaze myself because I'm never sure where this programme is going. Uh, Poundland and their new skin care range. Pound. It's going to be Pound. They're going to do... Six different items, I think, for a pound. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know enough about the business to tell you, you know, I just know what I've used in the past. And uh, I'm quite uh, quite happy with, with things like that. Uh, Peter says, uh, I'm at Alicante Airport, popping over to London. The weather hot? Fantastic today. Honestly, seriously, I'm in shorts. I'm in shorts. No, I think today's going to be about 12 degrees. I don't know why it was going to be 12 degrees. Why was it going to be 12 degrees? Because I remember thinking, I thought we were supposed to be having the heat back again. Uh, Steve, where would you take somebody on a first date? Home. Home. Why, why, why would you go anywhere else? What's the point? It's the first date. And where? The moon's very popular. You know, no, I always think home because then, then if, you don't, if you don't like them, you don't have to have a second date. There's no point wasting time. You know, would you like to come for a meal? Would you like to come for drinks? Oh, no, cut to the chase. Want to come home? Yes, that's the on-off switch. Uh, you know, just about to take your combinations off. And uh, so if it's good, then you can invite them back the second night. If you don't, if it's not particularly good. I learned this from the sex show. And if it's, if it's not very good, don't bother seeing them again. My f- a friend of mine used to live in a flat in London 
uh, in a little side street. It overlooked a telephone box, and he would arrange to meet people by the phone box. And all he'd do is look out the window. Didn't like the look of them. It didn't go down. <laughs> it's a bit harsh, isn't it? It's a bit harsh. But that's like people standing in a pub. You can tell when somebody's disinterested when they start looking at their phone. And you think, it's not going very well here at all, is it? Although I did go to a very good wedding on Saturday. I like a good wedding. I've decided I quite like a good wedding. I'm not into the dressy up bit, even though I look particularly dapper. But uh, it was a very good wedding in the New Forest, which was lovely. And it was outdoors. It rained a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Not enough to dampen anything. And, uh, and we, uh, we absolutely loved it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 19 minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, Steve says, uh, Helen and Filey, I did three seasons of the Rocky Horror Show in Germany in the late 1980s when Brad said, I wish I'd packed that spare tyre. We had a tyre thrown onto the stage. Happy days, great audiences. Isn't it funny? I remember we I did something with an amateur operatic society and, um, and it sticks with you. Because, you know, even after... Donkey's years. I mean, donkey's years. I was just a, just a child at school. And we went to do The Merry Widow and we did My Fair Lady. I think we were the first operatic society to be allowed to do My Fair Lady with costumes from the original film, which came from Angels. I remember them arriving in big trunks. It was so exciting. You know, we had a proper orchestra and things like that. And I remember thinking, my God, I'm in show business. Now I still think I'm in show business, but I just don't put the frocks on anymore. Uh, Freddie Frinton appeared with Thora Heard on the programme Meet the Wife, says Peter. I don't remember that. I remember Thora Heard when I met her. She said to me, that somebody said, oh, this is Steve Allen, Thora. I'm 89. <laughs> People always tell you. Uh, and Jason says, uh, when I was 19... And realised I was gay. I didn't know any gay people. So I got myself a job at the City of Quebec. It's a pub in London. Uh, it wasn't really my kind of place. And I quickly realised London's theatre ushers were mainly students from the various stage schools who, like me, love musicals. So I got a part-time job at the Savoy Theatre and met wonderful people. I've always said, if you want to meet people, if you're in London and you're lonely and you don't get to meet people, get a job as a barmaid or a bar person. Bar person, probably. And that way you'll meet loads of people. And uh, and you can do, and if you do it in a theatre, you only get to see them at the beginning of the show and in the interval. At the end of the show, they've all gone home. So it's good. You can quite do that. Uh, Steve, your tales of entertainment in London pubs reminded me of the time I went with friends to an East End boozer to see a contortionist called Bendy Wendy. Imagine our disappointment when we were told she'd retired. Seems she could no longer make ends meet. Oh, Lord, honestly. Just when you think they're going to go away, they come back again. And... Um, Says here, I think the Waterman's Arms was run by Queenie Watts. Do you remember her? Absolutely. She did Yes, My Dear with Arthur Mullard. It was a sort of a real... Queenie Watts popped up in all sorts of things. In fact, I think she had Queenie's Castle, didn't she? Vaguely, vaguely thinking of this one. Um, yeah, she, she popped up. She had a, a, a pub. And she worked in the pub. And they would have singing and she'd sing on the piano as well. And uh, you can search it on the internet. And you can see the old pictures of what it used to look like. Seriously, and these, these people are long since gone, but the, uh, the memories live on, which is good. Stefan Mulvern says, uh, says that. She says, uh, Freddie Frinton's drunken waiter sketch was so popular in Germany, they showed it on television every Christmas, probably still do. They like that kind of thing, don't they? Because you don't, it, it crosses the barriers, because you're, you're, you're not doing a, a chatter act, a patter act. You're just doing the... And they like that kind of thing. Uh, Steve, been watching a lot of Sue Pollard. Have you ever interviewed her? Yes. I've known Sue Pollard for many, many years. Many years. More years than we care to remember. 
Uh, also, Sid says, do you ever go to the Prince of Wales on Clapham Common? On Sunday afternoon, roast potatoes would appear on the bar and all the tables, so good and free, and they kept coming till the afternoon. Yeah, those were the days when you went to a pub on a Sunday. I don't know if they still do it, but they would put peanuts on the bar and um, and cheese and pineapple. And in the early days, I think, oh, this is quite nice. And you'd sit there just stuffing it. And he said, everybody else's hand's gone into the peanuts. So I kind of went off the idea. Now, they charge a fiver, do they? You don't get free food on a Sunday. Oh, I used to love it. I used to love it. But potatoes, strangely enough, you mentioned that. In Tom Brown's school days, in the original one, uh, the big treat for the boys at rugby school was potatoes. You would spend your two shillings or whatever, and you'd get a tray full of Murphys, as they were called, and, uh, and you would get all these, uh, all these potatoes. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, Steve... Says Paul, I don't know why you're getting all excited about Tom Jones being on stage. After all, it's not unusual. Right, there's another one. <laughs> and Darley says, could you have a conversation with Nick Abbott? I've had a few conversations with Nick Abbott. A few, few, few conversations. Make yourself taller, I said to him once. I don't see him very often. I see him every so often. I see him... Uh... Was Jimmy Jewell who played the drunk? I don't know. I don't know. And it's the Floral Pavilion, New Brighton. Not Brighton. New Brighton's where I'm heading now on my 34-mile... Cycle commute. Sorry? Merseyside. All right. I couldn't do a commute of 34 miles. I mean, it drives me mad. And uh, Steve, I, um, Kevin the Restaurateur says, I couldn't sleep last night, did some cooking and watched a film, The Verdict, with Paul Newman. I'd forgotten about Paul Newman. Don't talk about it. He, he has passed on, hasn't he, Paul Newman? Famous for his sources. He never gave autographs. He said, I'll shake your hand. He didn't want to give autographs at all. Off to Oxford today, says Cliff. Time to check out uh, Bucks and Icons, great British public transport network. Three changes required from Amersham to Littlemore, and that's just getting there. Oh, you'll love it. I love Oxford. Oxford's nice, actually. But it's, and also, you won't have those ghastly students everywhere because they're not back just yet, are they? Soon. Uh, and Dallas wants to know, I've just discovered... Her car has dynamic seating. New to me, so when you turn round corners, the side lumbar support inflates, making you more comfortable. Does yours have that? No. No. <laughs> Make me feel... I feel it's a bit miffed, actually. And Carol's off to a spin class. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. That's, uh, that's, that's exercise first thing in the morning. Not for me. So anyway, so I was thinking the other day... I was thinking about Brexit. Only, only briefly about Brexit. Oh, Brexit. And uh, and then I thought to myself, wait a minute, Brexit. So all of a sudden you annex yourself from the rest of Europe. I know a film that they did this in. And then at the end, they had to go back because they couldn't survive. What was the film? Passport to Pimlico, made for the uh, Ealing comedy. And what they did, they uh, they were digging a hole in the road. And uh, the person digging the hole was a man who crops up and, and practically every single film. Anyway, more of him in a, in a moment. So what they do is they sort of dig this thing. All of a sudden they find a chest and they find treasure and documents which led to a small part of Pimlico to be declared a legal part of the House of Burgundy. They are Burgundians and therefore exempt from the post-war rationing or other restrictions. So what it did, it explored the spirit and the unity of wartime London in a post-war context. And it offers an examination. It came out the same year as Whiskey Galore, Kind Hearts and Coronets, and then I think uh, it was nominated for Best British Film and the Academy Award for Writing, Story and uh, Screenplay. But it's interesting because at the end, all of a sudden, it becomes lawless. Because they were annexed, they didn't have 
any police, anything like that. So illegal traders were moving in because they could get away with selling just about everything, and it was legal. They could, and then they suddenly realised that this wasn't working. This really wasn't working. And so they ended up going back. They went back. And it is, it's so similar. It's so, so similar to Brexit. Similar kind of things. Uh, uh, Diane says the free potatoes on the bars were covered in salt to make the punters drink more. Yes. Why do you think people like crisps and stuff like that? And also salted um, popcorn they do in cinemas now. McDonald's chips. I mean, so can I have them without salt? No. Oh, the good news is Burger King had reopened again at uh, Waterloo Station. I was a very happy person. And uh, Steve, I don't know why the Queen let Harry marry Meghan. <laughs> a tongue twister, isn't it? Uh, surely she gets the final say. No, 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 no. Harry should have gone for Kate's sister Pippa. Much simpler. It seems odd, doesn't it? That no, no, they, they sort of no. That's who he went for. He went for her, and it were I don't think the Queen has any say at all in it. The Queen doesn't do things like that. She doesn't get involved. She's a, she wants a trouble-free life. And so far, she's had it. Uh, ben is a trucker from Brighton. Not gay, he said, but I could be persuaded. Well, that's Brighton for you, isn't it? Going, come on. That's the whole of Brighton. Uh, Donnie says, did I hear a rumour you're coming to Eastbourne today? No, unless you've got a new theatre up for uh, up for renting out. I don't know what the theatre is in Eastbourne. I, I, I quite like uh, those sort of places. Front page of the, uh, of the Sun. They're doing the Corbyn lies over the wreath. He was accused of lying after saying he didn't recall laying a wreath to honour terrorists despite posing... For a picture holding one. A little bit worrying, isn't it? Uh, Liam's younger model. This is the new girl who's obviously got an agent. And they've got, oh, listen, align yourself with Liam. We'll try and get loads of coverage for you. So that's exactly what they've done. It's just a very simple boy who's in a group that aren't getting back together ever again. Not in our lifetime. And, um, and he's got a new girlfriend. Why this is of any interest, I've got no idea. I'm assuming she must be some sort of model. They generally are, aren't they? Why can't they find somebody who always, like, you know, sort of works in the checkout at Tesco's or something like that? Actually, talking of Tesco's, here's a picture of a lottery winner. Her name's Gillian Bayford. Uh, she won, with her ex-husband, Adrian, £148 million. Pounds. So, 70... So, they've got about 90... No, so, sorry, uh, 50, 60, 70... About 80... 80 million each. I could live with that. I could cope with that. A bit under 80 million, obviously. Uh, but anyway, so she's uh, she's separated and she's now married a fraudster who's been jailed for stealing more than 13,500 from Tesco. There you go. He got six months for this con in 2012. So he's a crook. Let's hope that uh, she... Because she knows that he's a crook. She knows he's been inside. I just hope you can hang on to your money, darling. I hope you can hang on to it. I would hate to be sitting here in a year's time, where you go, he's taken everything, he's had it all transferred out and all the rest, you know, because once you're married, share, share alike. And uh, James in Essex says, I'm not gay, but five pounds is five pounds. There you go, that's the old one, isn't it? Five pounds, actually, nowadays, I found some old tenors. I found some old tenors. I opened up a box the other day. And there were these old tenors in there, and you can't do anything about them now, can you? I could take them to the Bank of England. Oh, I, don't think, I don't think I'll bother, actually. I think I'll keep them as novelty, as novelty. I quite like the idea that I've got, that I've got tenors. I looked at them and I went, oh, they look so... Now, of course, we have the, you know, the, the new stuff. I, I like it a lot better, a lot better. Uh, still to come, uh, going to be making a move on Giovanni. That's uh, Katie Piper. Yes, she's doing Strictly. And uh, there's a few other people as well, most of whom you will have heard of, except about three. Uh, over in the Big Brother house, they've got uh, a porno star. She makes porno films. They laughingly call it oh, adult films, but I swear to God, most people now acting them are not adults. 
And uh, what else they've got in there? They've got a nice little thug called Dan Osborne who'll be wheedling his way round. A girl who he might or might not have had a fling with, which separated him from uh, Jacqueline Josser. And uh, a couple of Americans you've never heard of. And who else is in I can't remember who else was in there, actually, out of the top of my head. Oh, some bloke from a business show that we've never even heard of. I'm assuming you must know somebody in the, uh, in the management. Because why you'd want to pick him, I've got no idea. And who else was there in there? Oh, Sally Morgan. He's here, darling. He's talking to me from the grave. Yes, yes. Well-known street psychic Sally. I wonder what she'll be coming out with. Oh, I'm feeling something in this house, aren't I? Yep. You certainly are. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nick Ferrari with you at seven this morning for breakfast. Jeremy Corbyn, under huge pressure of having been present at a wreath laying for the 1972 Munich terror attack. Nick will speak to the widow of one of the men who was killed in the attack. You'll also hear from the mother of the six-year-old boy who died whilst in the care of the doctor who won her appeal to keep practising medicine after her suspension. Plus, after Disney's move to cast Jack Whitehall playing a gay character, are straight actors able to play gay roles? That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on LBC. Tim points out, maths not my strong subject. I'm a radio presenter. I'm not supposed to do maths. I knew it was 74. I just like winding people up. But uh, no, I, I don't do maths. I never did maths at school, actually. And Bob says the man digging the road in Passport to Pimlico... This is my, my Brexit film. This is the film that you should be looking at to find out what's going to happen with, uh, with Brexit. With Sam Kidd, who was in just about everything. Every film that, that fit... At some point, there'd be a man walking, you know, into shot, saying something, and it was always Sam Kidd. He must have been... I, I should imagine he was probably in every British film that was ever made. Amazing. Uh, the film was made on Lambeth Road, Lambeth Walk, the China Walk estate, where I live, says Ray, in, uh, with them. That's, uh, that's Passport to Pimlico. It was a great film. Margaret Rutherford was in it. There were loads of people. In fact, I think there was also... Wasn't Charles Hawtrey in it? I'm pretty certain Charles Hawtrey was in Passport to Pimlico. I don't know. Uh, Stephen says, give the tenors away for birthday presents to people you don't like. Oh, no. Charles Hawtrey was indeed in it. Yes, I think he was a delivery boy or something like that. He was, uh, he was fresh from the, the Will Hay movies. He made loads and loads of those. Helen Finally said, just paid £75 of old fives and tens into HSBC last week. They gave him the equivalent in new notes. No problem. That's what I like to hear. So uh, that's always good news, isn't it? Always good news. And uh, somebody says here, in real life, Freddie Frinton was actually a teetotaler, which, according to the Cultural Appropriation Brigade, would probably bar him from playing the drunken waiter today, says Chris and Chelsea. Yes. I saw Mr Tammy at Vauxhall Tavern doing It's My Life. Shirley Bassey lived just around the corner in Vauxhall Grove, says Ray. I don't remember Mr Tammy at all. I thought I knew just about every every drag act that had ever existed. I used to know the, um, the Harley Queens very well. The Harley Queen. In fact, I, I featured them on LBC donkeys years ago. Donkeys years ago. You just mentioned the, uh, the late, great Thora Heard, Steve. As well as her comedy show, she was a great dramatic actress. I mentioned Alan Bates earlier in the film A Kind of Loving, which Thora also starred as, as the monstrous mother-in-law, one of her best-ever performances. Oh, no, I liked her in Dinner Ladies, which was Pam and What's-It's story. I loved her in that. But uh, her greatest performance is The Cream Cracker Under the Settee, which is the monologue written by Alan Bennett, of course, from his Talking Heads series. I thought she got a BAFTA. Yes, I love The Cream Cracker Under the Settee. I love all of those Talking Heads. If you've never heard them, you must listen. It's, it's uh, his uh, writing, Alan Bennett. And his, he was very good at writing for women. Very good at writing for women. 
Uh, at uni, two of us girls, say Holly, went into a pub one Saturday afternoon, thronged with rowdy men. We squeezed through the crowds to find a well-endowed lady entertaining a, the, the men with tassels whirring around. We made a very quick, red-faced exit. We should have stayed. Could have been a career move. You never know. Goodness sake, honestly. Uh, the Queen has her say for up to five waiting in line for the throne. What, it's where they get married? I don't think she's got any say in that at all. Listen, Harry does what he wants. They all do what they want. She's not going to stop him doing anything. Seriously. Carol says, heard you mention Sue Pollard. Met her last week at the Edinburgh Festival. Yes, she's working out there. She was so happy to stop and chat. She loves it. And she's over 70, I think, now. Seriously amazing. Somebody says, uh, congratulations on your conversation with Denzel Washington. If, uh, if you haven't listened to it, then you can actually get it from uh, the LBC app. OK, which you can go to the LBC website and find out all the details on it. 20 minutes to seven. Uh, it's Corbyn on the front of the Daily Mail. In fact, I'm about the only paper that does run Corbyn. I haven't looked at the uh, uh, the heavies, but uh, there's a very good chance that he probably will feature there. This is <clears throat> the condemnation uh, over the graves of the terror leaders linked to the Munich Olympics massacre. He says he can't remember. Um, but I would have thought you would. But I know certain things I can't remember, but I would have thought in his case, because he's sort of bright... Um, he would he would sort of remember this thing. He's also attempted to quell the row which backfired spectacularly when, in an extraordinary interview, he appeared to admit being president uh, president present at the wreath laying for Palestinian terrorists thought to have been behind the seventy two killings, but said that he didn't think he was involved. So he might have been there. Some people have suggested that the photograph is doctored, that it's showing you what they want you to uh, to see. But there's lots of lots of twists and turns. Lots of twists and turns. Uh, Ulrika says, in order to be open on Sunday mornings in competition to church services, part of the licensing conditions for public houses was that the watering holes had to offer free food to avoid frivolous drunkenness. In Hackney, they put cockles and peanuts on the bar. I loved cockles on toothpicks. And that was way before all-day uh, dining. Yes, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, ooh, I mean, I, th- I know what you mean. I have seen people with little toothpicks picking them up. It was the peanuts that we used to get excited about. But nowadays, nobody puts peanuts on bars. Because people have got dirty hands. You know, they put them in their mouth. They pick up a handful of peanuts, put them in their mouth. They put their hand back in again. Excuse me. I don't think so. It's like if ever I go into a sandwich bar, which is not very often, I see somebody making sandwiches without gloves on. I'm expecting little little cheap throwaway plastic gloves, you know, to protect you from germs and stuff like that. Have you ever been to the Highlands of Scotland? No, no. Never interested me, really. Well, it does. It does sort of interest me, but it doesn't. You know, it's like a long way to drive. So perhaps I should take a train, go and do a train journey around Scotland. Could be, uh, could be worth doing, couldn't it, really? Then I could come back and do a, a running commentary for you. I've seen the pictures. It all looks lovely. I'm, I'm very into scenery and stuff like that. Uh, strictly inspirational. This is Katie Piper to take uh, part in the dancing show. Ten years on from the horror. She's, uh, they've also signed up because I said that uh, Danny John Jules uh, is taking part in it. But he's also a very experienced uh, dancer. He's toured the world dancing for Wham. He's been in primary dancing roles in Starlight Express and cats. So, in other words, there are some very professional dancers who are taking part in Strictly, which kind of puts people like Katie Piper. She's going to have to work twice as hard, you know, just to sort of learn how, he, how, how to do these things. I, I shouldn't imagine Sally Morgan will be any good whatsoever. I can't even bear to think about it. 
We're going to have to find... I think she, she, she's going to be the embarrassment that was Anne Widdicombe. Uh, the latest fad, and many of you will be guilty of this. The only reason I mention it is because it's in the paper today. It's the arrogance of the middle-class fly-tippers. You know, where you see something out on the street and it says, please take, free to a good home, you know, stuff like that. It's free, costs nothing, and so people get rid of it. It saves having to pay 25 quid to the council. And I put stuff out before, and literally I've gone upstairs, come back down, and it's gone. It's as fast as that. People, some people take anything. We had a, a couple of drills. Lynn and I were sort of uh, getting out. And um, I just put them on top of the bin. Somebody wanted it. He went, can I have those? He went, yeah, of course you can. It's, it's, it's like having your rubbish cleared for you. It's all very clever, actually. Saw Sue Pollard in Weatherspoons in Tunbridge Wells the other year, says James. And uh, I was too starstruck to go up and speak to her. Regretted it ever since. Always go up and speak to her. She loves talking to people. She loves it. Like Barbara Windsor, loves talking to people, loves it. And uh, Sue, exactly the same. Uh, what else do we have? It was, uh, oh, it was a bad story here, which is about uh, a businesswoman who spent 16 years lavishing jewels on a jobless lesbian lover and then loses legal battle over their luxury home. So they've not been together for, for two years now. One worked, one didn't work. And then they inherited some money, and uh, that was it. The downfall, I think. Oh, isn't... Um, What's his face from Blue going into the uh, the show? That's Lee Ryan. I'm sure that Lee Ryan's going into something. Whether he's strictly come because he's a stage school boy, so he must have done dance. He is doing strict. There you go. I thought so. Yeah, with the astronaut is Tim Peake doing it? Oh, that's the latest name. Good heavens! Well, that's a good that's a good signing. Have we got anybody else? That sounds quite good. Tim Peake, I'd watch. I'd watch that. It was when you were sort of. I was, I was sort of telling you the other day they'd signed Roxanne Pallet, a little-known actress, ladies and gentlemen, for 750000 I thought, I don't think so. I really don't. If they're only paying Stormy Daniels 500000 and I'm not totally convinced that's what they're paying, um, why would you pay Roxanne Pallet and nobody? And they go, oh, oh my jamas turned them down. How wise. How very wise. I can only offer that as advice from the programme. Uh, and also, uh, there's a new law which they want to bring in which will ban stalkers from using false names on Twitter. You'll have to use your real name, and if you don't, they're going to uh, chase you. Plus, the Radio 4 host, this is Justin Webb. He's come up with a few odd things, Justin Webb, over the past sort of uh, few months. But now, because it used to be said that rugby was a game for hooligans played by gentlemen and football was a game for gentlemen played by hooligans. But one prominent rugby fan claims modern players have become vulgar and are more likely to bite, punch and gouge their opponents' eyes, whilst modern footballers are squeaky clean role models. So there you go. Rugby is thuggery, but footballers are gentlemen. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every Cornish revolt. The tourism chiefs say, please don't visit the pole dark beaches. The other day, Cornwall was saying, can you not please come down here on holiday? We're, we're sort of a little bit, uh, little, bit, uh, little bit busy. Sue said, Sally Morgan's going on Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah, yeah, and Roxanne Pallet. I didn't say they were on Strictly. I said, I said that they, they were doing the other show. Well, she must keep up, Sue, really, it's ridiculous. We were talking about Strictly, and then we moved on to Celebrity Big Brother. There's no point in sticking Sally Morgan... On the, on the dancing. I mean, they never get around the floor. Oh, yes, you're right, actually. I did say that. Oh, well. Nearly an apology. Not quite. Sue Pollard doing pantomime at Mulvern this year. She'll be brilliant. She'll stay in the town, turn on the lights and talk to everybody. Not like some, says Steph. <sighs> Ooh. 
And Miles says, I recommend you get the sleeper train to the Highlands. You can have a wonderful sit-down meal, a couple of single malts from the bar, retire to your cabin and wake up to the beauty of Scotland. I just don't want to move. I just want to stay there. I just want to sleep, wake up, sleep, wake up, sleep, wake up. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Uh, Steve, uh, I just don't get strictly. I don't even want to watch people who can dance, let alone people that can't, says John the cabbie. And uh, as the saying goes, one man's rubbish is another man's treasures. I once threw an old Betamax recorder in a skip which wasn't working. An hour later, it was gone. Oh, yes, I've thrown out loads of stuff. <laughs> Mainly working, actually. Mainly working. And, uh, and then somebody says, why all the fuss about Stormy Daniels? Uh, nothing was said before about Ron Jeremy. Well, he didn't sleep with Trump, did he? Have I missed something? Ron Jeremy having gay relationships now. So he didn't... Uh, did he ever allege he was having that? That's why she's interesting. That's why people are talking... But she won't be able to talk about it on the programme. But that's why. As I say, if, if Ron Jeremy had slept with, you know, a male, then people would be interested. But I don't think he has. Well, I don't think he, he might have done. I don't know. He's a very famous person, apparently. Apparently. And, uh, and somebody else says that the train journey from London to Inverness is spectacular. Sounds lovely. I'd just quite like to poodle round the Highlands. Can't you just go round and round in like a, a huge, ever-decreasing circle? I just, I just fancy the idea of seeing locks and, and sort of waking up to things like that. But I could sleep for the world on a, a train. Oh, they'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Uh, Steve, uh, somebody says, I, I would love for you to take a train to the Highlands. And uh, you do a very interesting vlog, says Mina. It would be very, it would be very interesting, actually. I'd love to do that. I was going to do one about Vegas. You know, here we are on the plane, and then, you know, here we are getting off the plane, all that kind of stuff. In Vietnam, in bars, they have peanuts in bowls, but have a teaspoon to put the nuts from the bowl into your hand, so no hands touch the nuts, says Pierce. Thank you for that. Stephen Hamburg says, why don't you come over for a good night out on the Reaper Barn? I was left here in the 1960s. And uh, what's the story with Aretha Franklin? She's not good. She's not good. I think we're just... I think we're just waiting. Uh, yesterday, uh, she was taken bad, and the family are with her, because I'm assuming somebody in the hospital has sort of said, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. I don't think there, there is a good prognosis, so it's just a case of uh, when. The Daily Telegraph this morning, uh, lies the doctor knows you're telling. Oh, my doctor's terrible at discovering my lies. I've, t- I've done my best, but obviously not the best. And the 13-year-old CEO, what are your kids doing this summer? The answer is, they're just, they're just, I mean, they seem to be off for ages and ages, don't they? Uh, Corbyn's extraordinary row with the Israeli PM over the terrorist tribute. Uh, plus, uh, the doctor, which I'll talk about later on with Nick Ferrari, who wins the battle to have the ban overturned. The cash machines at risk of hacking attack. Cyber criminals uh, plotting a concealed malware blitz on cash machines in the next few days. So the simple answer is don't use cash machines for the next few days. Make it, uh, make it a bit easier. And uh, a lovely picture, a close-up image of a lioness at Longleat, taken by a wildlife photographer. And uh, it was uh, taken from these little beetle cats, you know, little tiny things that the, the lions try not to get too interested in, but they can't resist it. And when you see lions, I say, dear, don't talk to me about lions. British holidaymakers flocking to Turkey as the turmoil escalates. So... People changing money left, right and said, I don't know what they're doing at the moment. It's all, all up in the air. Uh, the Guardian. Top stand-ups remember their first appearance. And one of them, my entire audience walked out. That must be the worst. That must be the worst. You go there to do a stand-up gig and uh, you turn around to do something. And then lo and behold, people, uh, people sort of walk out. There's nobody left. 
But uh, Hannah Jane Parkinson, writing in The Guardian for today, um, has watched every show at The Fringe, uh, some experiencing and involving nudity. She found it moving rather than thrilling. Well, there you go then. That's the... Uh, people love it. If, if it says, you know, full frontal nudity, people are there immediately, aren't they? You can't sort of say, oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be interested in going normally, would you? And they go, no, no, no I'm, just, I'm just going now. They've also got Puppetry the Penis up there, which we've had in uh, London. It's interesting, isn't it, that they're still there. Um, the uh, the new... I won't tell you which is the nudity. Oh, there's loads of nudity in different shows. Lots of, I wonder what it, this thing is about, you know, the British and nudity. But uh, everybody's up there, and, uh, and they, they love to see you up there because they've all got venues to fill. And they need to try and make some money. It's very difficult for some of them. And some people just go up there just, just for the laugh, just for the crack, as they say. Uh, the Daily Star, front page, Celebrity Big Bruv line-up shocker. The shock is you'll actually know some of them. Uh, the other shock is you don't really care. Who cares about Roxanne Pallet and Jermaine Pennant? Uh, also, the compo crazy Britain, Benidum. This is uh, Frida Jackson. She looks like a Frida Jackson. She goes over there. She comes from Blackburn in Lancashire. And uh, she suddenly realises the hotel they're in, they let Spanish people in. And uh, she complained to Thompson Holidays, you know, why is it we've got Spanish people in there? Can't they go somewhere else, she said, uh, even though it's their country. She's the intruder, but she didn't get that at all. And then when she went to watch the entertainment, it was all for Spanish people. Because I should imagine that if you go to a Spanish hotel in a Spanish resort like, you know, Benidorm or Torremolinos or Lorette de Mar or anywhere like that, the entertainment is going to be flamenco. I can't think what else they would do unless you could put jugglers on, but I think it was probably flamenco, dancing or somebody playing a guitar. That, that's what you would get. She hated it. She absolutely hated it. She said people were rude to her and things like that. I suspect, looking at the picture, she was probably the rude one. Have you got any British food? I'm British. Blackburn, Lancashire. Sally, Sally. Do you ever heard? <laughs> anyway, just about uh, it. I once saw Sue Pollard on the television, says Mo. She looked great. She, she is great. She's very lively, I'll put it that way. Very lively. And, uh, and uh, I'm laid in my VW camper, overlooking the river Dart. The pitch next door is a bright yellow tent with fairy lights over it, a rainbow fish flag on a pole. I have a feeling the boys could be gay. They might be. On the other hand, they might just be a little bit happy. You never know. In Canada, apparently, uh, people put their unwanted stuff once a month on street corners and everything left gets taken by the council next day. Perfect. Talk about perfect. Before I go, just to let you know, it's coming up on the free podcast for today. On a little bit extra, I'll have the latest on the O-Them's and the who's that being lined up for Strictly and Celebrity Big Brother. But which dead celebrity is Sally Morgan going to find in the house? Place your bets now. You find out more about the film premiere, which took place here in Leicester Square last night. Just need somebody to explain to me why the Love Islanders feel the need to turn up to anything. Plus, while I'm being urged to go and take pictures and films from a holiday in the Scottish Highlands, Davy Boy Beckham is doing exactly that from wherever they are this week. My little bit extra is totally free and available very shortly from wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you download the LBC app. It's a mouthful, this one, isn't it? As well as listening to LBC, wherever you are, you can listen back to this and all of the other programmes for free for the last week. Download the LBC app for iPhone or Android tap, tap catch-up. Coming up at 10 in for James O'Brien, it's Tom Swarbrick, but next with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Sunday from 5am.